Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Internet, and welcome to Waypoint Radio, The Last of Us 2, Spoiler Cast, Part 2. If you haven't listened to Part 1, we jump in uh, pretty directly here, and this is why I'm recording an extra intro after the fact, because we ended up doing six hours of recording for our Last of Us 2, Part 2, The Last of Us, Part 2, Podcast, Spoiler Cast. Um, so... We're about to jump back in. We're jumping in to uh, the beginning of uh, the second half of the game. So if you don't want spoilers, you shouldn't be listening to our spoiler cast. Uh, or if you're interested in our thoughts of the first half of the game, you should go back and look for our spoiler cast part one. Enjoy. So Isaac... Um, has just gotten tired of all this truce nonsense and trying to negotiate. And he's decided uh, that he's going to genocide his way out of this is basically his play. Uh, and he explains to Abby and Manny, like, look, as we all know, the truce is broken down and we can't possibly put it back together because it'll just break down again. And we back here. And meanwhile, we just keep getting weaker. So the only thing for us to do is try to kill all the Seraphites in one go. And so we're going to invade their island. They live on an island, by the way. Does the WLF have a navy? No, they have some Zodiacs. Uh, so they're going to basically D-Day uh, this like island full of like cultists um, yeah. with whatever is left of their army using some like civilian uh, like cutters, basically <laughs> some, some outboard motor uh, like fishing boats. And that's his big plan. And Abby's like, whoo, I don't know about that one, chief. And he's like, shut <laughs> up. I'm in, char- I'm in charge of this and you're going to lead the assault. Yep. And uh, she's like, okay, sure. But in the meantime, she's gotten a little heads up from Nora that one of their buddies from the old squad got killed. Uh, yeah. And apparently before he died, he said it was Owen who killed him. And... Uh, People want to know, like, what's going on with what, Owen? What Owen's going to be some yeah. deep shit. So Abby goes out in search of Owen and starts out, just goes AWOL from the WLF on the eve of their big invasion to begin making her way to the aquarium where Owen has been living for the last number of years, um, which is pretty awesome. But again, like the the tree houses these kids are allowed to have in this world is just incredible. <laughs> Um, anyway, so she starts out across the city and, uh, so Kano, for me, 
this was mm-hmm. a game of like I would be just stealthy enough to like thin the herd a little bit, and then like <laughs> yeah. once they were sort of teetering, it was time to go loud and like just murder some people. And so I like my my game was a series of like stealth attacks and then right. murderous ambushes that were a little repetitive <laughs> but kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's very funny. Uh, I so when the game opens up, actually, during the sequence where you play Abby before Jackson, like there's a that moment where she's being chased by the horde, and the game pops up a, a little like tutorial that says sometimes your only option is to run, and I was like, that's interesting. How far does this game let me run? Turns out pretty <laughs> fucking far. Uh, I ended up killing something like a total of ten enemies, including people killed in cutscenes. Uh, throughout this entire cool. game, um, uh, so in well, a way, and it was you all skipped a lot of the game, and it was probably much shorter for you overall. Well, it ended right? up it, it ended up being twenty eight hours total. Oh, okay. and it was Never just mind. because <laughs> it was because like to, in order to get around some of those patrols specifically, like there was a lot of like backtracking and waiting for uh you know the right moment oh. between certain um uh cycles you know right like it became a stealth game like a fully like uh you know like you have to like the cycles don't always line up so you have to wait for the when the cycles do and you can get out and basically the way that all of those encounters ended up working is that uh there is an exit to the encounter area always yes and yes th- it always has this like usually most of the time like 80% I would say, you would have to hold a button in order to get out, which mm-hmm. means if you were mid-combat, you would be stopped, right? Like, this yes. is not a... and usually the door won't open if someone notices you, by the way. Like, I, right. I did manage to sneak my way through a few encounters, and you can open the door at the end, even though it's kind of loud. But if somebody right. has already noticed you while you're in the midst of opening the door, you're screwed. Yeah, they'll pull you They'll pull you away or just shoot you at, at where you stand. Um, but so, if you get to those doors without alerting anyone you can absolutely open them and most of the time what happens is like as you're going through someone will notice and you'll have to quickly on the other end block it off and you'll hear them banging against the door on the other side but you've made it through and so that's how i made my way through most of the game you know there are a couple set pieces where you're required to kill people are like the scene with jesse nora where uh well i mean i mean like in in gameplay encounters that weren't cutscenes. Uh, right, right. The cutscenes all play out the same, right? Like, there's no getting around those. But it, as far as gameplay encounters, it was like the Jesse truck scene. I had to kill one person or else I would fail out um, when the two trucks are, like, next to each other. Uh, that You have to kill the person who's aiming the gun, in, gun into your car. And yeah. um, one Seraphite patrol where every time I tried to open the door, no matter how far away, this one guy with a fucking hammer... It's, I think it's the first hammer guy the first yeah, seraph, like does that, the, that the big tough guy. you yeah. have to kill that hammer guy in order to get through that section um yeah also the bench it's just kind right of, where they surprise you when you're at the workbench and you turn around and no i got away something. from that i wow. actually really enjoyed that encounter because you're walking around and uh <laughs> ellie says to herself wow there's still a lot of supplies in some of these abandoned places and then you look and there's a fucking tomatoes in a bucket and i'm like people live yeah. here People live here. Where are they? Where too. are they? I had the, and, I had and the and exact I was like, same Well, I guess they're moment. not here. Uh, yeah, I guess they're not here. And I go to use the workbench, and sure enough, at that second, like one of them grabs you and says something weird. The, I wrote down. Hold on. 
Uh, he says, um, we're not we're going, not back, going or something back like that. Yeah. Uh, and mm. what I do is I find a way I dodge to the right and go through a separate room and run out the run out of that building. And like, I don't have to kill any of them, but like, again, like all basically every encounter in this game, you can kind of do that with, except for there are the ones that you get absolutely locked into are zombie ones. There's like one or two where like, especially with, um, Abby, when you're with Yara and Lev, there's like this one, that one little zombie maze where you get a bunch of zombies continually coming down. And Abby thinks that Lev, Lev and Yara have abandoned her, but actually they're just finding another way through or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but as far as the human encounters, those, there were only like those, t- like two or three that I can remember that like, I actually was forced to kill a human outside of the, like, Yes, the cutscene ones all play out exactly the same. But it did make the difference between Ellie and Abby's kind of loadouts feel very, like, more stark. Because I put in all of my upgrade points into the smoke bombs and crafting smoke bombs. And, like, a lot of times that's how I would use, if I did break stealth, in order to get back into stealth, it was throw a smoke bomb, find a new place to hide, wait for the cycles to reset, you know? Um and then not having that as Abby made it infinitely more difficult to get through stealthily. But it also did, you know, it marks, like, it's pretty obvious. Like, it made that that whole difference between them as being, like, uh, Abby being, like, a soldier. Like, really kind of mm-hmm. stuck out more, even. Yeah. As trying to, like, get through and not kill people as a soldier. It's like, uh, they didn't really give you the tools, but you can still technically do it. Yeah. But was it yeah, was it fun still? Because the thing I would say about this game, I, and I think this was true of the first one as well. Um, so they've done something where I think the stealth in some ways feels more convincing. Like the monsters mm-hmm. don't feel quite as predictable as like guards in traditional immersive sims where they're like right. clockwork. Um, here there's a little it feel they feel a little less predictable. Like you never know when they're like gonna do one of those weird twists right. where they're uh you know line of same view. with the humans honestly like even if they're walking yeah. down a path sometimes they'll look behind them as they're walking back mm-hmm. and so if you think you're safe behind them they'll actually spot you but like i yeah. i mean i yeah and I, I ended up enjoying it a lot because i i was also playing on hard so like i had a few less um materials and it really i think it hit the way it ended up being the way that i was playing it plus uh the, the like scarcity of materials did make the heighten that sense of like I have to be careful about every move I make to not get spotted because I only have so many smoke bombs I can only craft so many smoke bombs um and yeah I enjoyed it I enjoyed that part of the game like that was that was actually um mostly like I kind of ended up wishing there were one or two more longer zombie segments that I could use the guns in because I was not using yeah. the guns like basically ever yeah. during the, the, the human encounters. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it also kind of, for me did end up changing the way I read a lot of the Ellie cutscenes. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Because it would totally it, change like the didactic nature of the game. If you're killing significantly fewer people. Yeah. Like I actually, like there are, there's this moment of like, in each of those cutscenes where she ends up either killing in self-defense or not in self-defense, those other people on the like list of people who were there when Abby killed Joel, like those read a lot more as like I believed that Ab- if they had told her where Abby was, things would have gone differently. 
Where if I feel like if I was killing everyone to get to them, I feel like that's bullshit. Ellie's lying. She's going to kill them anyways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't know. It feels hard to tell whether or not the, the game actually believes one or the other, honestly, because the way I played the game, even though it allows for it and it accounts for it, does not feel like the way most people are going to end up uh, in, like playing this game, right? Uh, yeah. So it feels like a very, I mean, like... you identified it yourself by saying, like, you wished you could have used the guns more because you were only using them on zombies, but, like, on zombies. the game's quite fun. Yeah. It's quite fun if you use the guns, in fact, and right. I think it's right. designed so that you'll use them and See, so that you'll, yeah. like, do a lot of murders. Kojima, with Death Stranding, was like, what if I gave you a non-lethal <laughs> automatic weapon? Like, yeah, oh, don't I, worry about it. It's the, uh, it's the... <laughs> You know, it's the M4 rifle, but it shoots uh, it shoots the little rubber bullets. It's fine. They're like little pepper balls. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, oh just yeah, you'll kill people. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so the Wander Through the City, like, it was all pretty familiar. I think it starts to change when, um, as happens a million times in this game, Abby slides down a hill after escaping a bunch of scars and immediately just gets walloped. Uh, by one of them, and the next thing we see is it's weird how many late game cutscenes we saw of this game during its long, uh, like E three like pre release yeah. uh, yeah. cycle. We finally I see expected- that cutscene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we oh, finally no, I was see just a saying- cutscene where um the where where a woman gets her arm broke broken up, uh, and it's it's horrific. Um, mm-hmm. Hang on. I'm going to pause here one second. The video and audio has desynced so terribly that, like, I can't stop talking. Do you want to restart the call? Let's uh, kill our camera. Is it for, for everyone or just me? You're I the would say Kado is the slowest. Of yeah, us all. I feel like this is just my issue. I thought I had it figured out, but it. It's not okay. It's like fine, but Kado. Yeah. yeah. Whoop, okay. Whoop. Are we going to leave him off? No, I'm going to... Uh, I like to look at myself. There we go. Perfect. All right. I might just leave mine off. Yeah, how are like, we, we doing, doing lag-wise? Sounds better. Hello. All right, well, that, that, that okay? picture's fucked. Um, yeah, your okay. picture is yeah, still, like, totally laggy. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. All right. Um... So we finally get that cutscene where the Seraphites are dragging that young girl uh, around on the ground and shatter her arm with a hammer. Um, really horrific. Abby's stuff. also hanging from a tree, right? Yeah, she's she's, she's, she's incapacitated getting during all of this. Yeah, yeah, she's like scrabbling for purchase. I think on like yeah, uh, the on like a bucket or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they they shatter Yara's arm. Um, and then they string her up and then arrow from the darkness, uh, the scars start dropping like flies. One of them like starts backpedaling and Abby, who we know is just a fitness God, um, just (laughs) squeezes that scar to death with her legs. Uh, I think like, right. It's like sort of a scissor grip, uh, and, and takes that one out of the play. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and enter Lev, enter Yara, uh, and Yara 
tells Lev, who's the young archer, to cut Abby down too. She helped, even though she's a wolf. She helped. And they go on a little adventure uh, as they mm-hmm. try to just get the fuck away from the scars and right. also navigate uh, the the zombies. And it's a perfectly functional scene. I think its main purpose is to set up the fact that, like, they can work together. And Abby has her moment of doubt uh, in that scene that Kato just alluded to where uh, because this is a Naughty Dog game, the kids go through a, a, a door and then it like kind of can't open for Abby or like something collapses yeah. uh, and she gets trapped and they're like, well, we'll open the door for you. And then they just disappear. And Abby's like, that's what I get for trusting scars and has to like yeah. kill a bunch of zombies uh, in yes. this basement. And then they show up and rescue her. And then uh, we get a sequence where she basically sets them up for the night and like, tells them how to treat uh you know Yara's, Yara's arm. arm. Yeah. Even though um yeah. you know that was first aid stuff, but I'm even at the time I'm sitting there like I don't think uh rest yeah, I don't is, know about that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um and then she gets to the uh, aquarium uh where we've seen in a cutscene we haven't we haven't established we we forgot to talk about these cutscenes. One mm-hmm. We learned that Abby had an awesome dad who was the world's great, oh, greatest vaccinologist. Oh, we forgot. We forgot right, about the right. big reveal. The, the that reveal. It's, it's yeah. dads all the way down and that it's actually all about dads. Did, I mean, I called this. I'm proud of when you. The I, <laughs> game, when the game was announced. Great. I was like, I Joel is dead. And, Joel is I dead had. and it's because someone associated with that group of fireflies came after him. Like... Like it was not a surprise. I feel for like me I would have all. found it like less corny and grating if I had predicted right. it. But because I didn't predict it, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like it's her dad? Like it's not just <laughs> the moral yeah. weight of Joel's decision? Like that's not what's strongly disturbed her all these years. It's it's her personal Un- relationship it's unconditional with her cool love. dad. And <laughs> this guy is her just dad is the so best. cool. He saves a zebra right before he's, he's about to go like cut unequivocally good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just a pure soul. And we even get all these other flashbacks in the hospital. I'm sort of skipping around. But it's like there's the scene where Abby tells her dad, like, you know, if it were me, I would sacrifice myself. I would want you to kill me, dad. And and I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Like, you're giving me so much, like, daughter-daddy stuff here. But it's at the same time as though the larger structure of the narrative is unwilling to grapple with the question being raised in that moment which is like okay but like joel didn't give ellie that choice and like how would ellie feel about it and we never really find out i will say this for joel joel would have given ellie that choice maybe but it was the fireflies who were like you got to do this right now yeah it's (laughs) but now now retroactively the fireflies are are good if the fireflies weird flat moral choice that they forced joel into in that first game is like your kid's gonna be dead in five minutes nothing to be done about it and now the dad the the doctor dad is like the coolest dad in the universe who's like making a, a pure choice i don't know it's like it's weird to me. It's like this game is like afraid of the moral choices that it's introducing or something. Like it doesn't really want to debate them. 
And I want to. I'm like ready for the characters mm. to have it out about these quandaries. And well, they, no, they don't no, do it. Because the game doesn't believe in like beliefs. It only <laughs> believes in like immediate emotional reactions to stimuli. And love. So like, yes. Mm. So like what motivates Abby? It sure as hell isn't any belief in a mission because Mm-mm. one of the messages of the series is like, if you believe in that stuff, you're a sucker. Uh, you will end up doing evil in the name of a cause. Uh, so Owen, his his awakening, like he and Abby join the WLF. They get together as a couple, but it falls apart because she's like just so like her love Daddy for issues. Owen. Yeah. She's like, yeah. I can't give myself to this relationship and also nurse this horrible grudge <laughs> that I'm that mm-hmm. I'm carrying around. Uh, and I'll choose the grudge over you. Yeah. Um, and he's like, that sucks. Uh, okay. And yeah, he stays I mean, I interpreted it more as like her love for her father made it impossible. But I, uh, the grudge, I guess, is the other half of that other side of that coin is, yeah. is that it's it's her love for her father is what leads to the the universal hate, as Druckmann would call it for Ellie. It's universal. Like, those are the those are the emotions <laughs> that drive everyone in this story. And I guess. I just am driven by other things besides that. So that's part yeah. of why these characters feel less relatable to me. Um, and also again, like Owen is just got the coolest pad. We got a long, like it's the parallel of the natural history museum where he's like, holy shit, cool aquarium. I'm going to live yeah. here forever. Um, and he <laughs> strings the fairy lights everywhere. And it's just like it's a cool secret hangout. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Mel moves in there with him. But Abby's kind of still lurking in the background and there's some awkwardness. Anyway, so she gets to the aquarium and she finds Owen is hiding above this old boat that he's found uh, that also has a tragic curse backstory. We don't need to get into it. Um, Oh, might as well. Uh, There was a family that lived in the boat, also holed up in the aquarium. Uh, The two kids started to believe in the Seraphite uh, like faith. And they were like, fuck you, we're leaving. And so they abandoned their dad. Anyway, she and Owen uh, hooked up. And like, but she gets the story from Owen. Like, why does he, why did he desert? It's because, yeah, he's tired of fighting. And he realized all of a sudden that this old Seraphite that he was about to kill was just a tired old person and didn't want to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he has this sort of awakening where he's like, wait, they're people. And mm. I don't want to just massacre people right, right and left. Um, and so he's done. He's deserting. His plan now is like, let's get the fuck out. Like, I've got this sweet boat and you and I can just peace out. Um, and Abby is kind of pissed about that. Um, but also it's but she the, gets over it because they're going to sleep together. Yeah, it's the kind of piss that just adds a little frisson uh, mm-hmm. to the hookup. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they get together and mm-hmm. she awakens from another nightmare of her dad being uh, killed. But also like, as, but it also blends with the Seraphite kids uh, being killed. And yeah. she awakens with a sudden sense of purpose, which is those Seraphites that where she left them, they are not going to be safe. She's got to go rescue them. Um. Emmanuel, I know you've got to run out here a little bit. Let's let's talk about uh, just this this arc we go through rescuing Lev and Yara, but then 
going on this journey to get medicine for for Yara. Because uh, for me, I think from a pure gameplay standpoint, I think this stuff is probably my favorite in the game. It's very strong. I mean, uh, I think there are several things about the structure of the story that like really pull you through. I found it to be hard to put down, and that's one of those moments where I... I mean, it worked on me. I was just like, I got to get these kids out of here. Uh, yeah. I, I liked I think it too. Yeah. It also felt very like, and I think this is really the tone that uh, the game is best at, where it's like Uncharted is like very goofy, Indiana Jones, Goonies, and like The Last of Us is like a counter, like extremely dark uh grim zombie thing and it's like when uh lev and abby are together it's like kind of smackdown in the middle it's like uh it's just like a super fun adventure that they're both on but also the stakes are very real um and yeah i i, I like that part i like the uh the entire journey through the uh the sky bridges yeah, uh, was fantastic. I thought that was like a really unexpected, just like visual place to take the game. Um, yeah, all that stuff is really good. I I found I found it to be like, uh, two really uh compelling characters, uh, in different ways. It's like and the way they switch off, like you get to hang out with one and then the other. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, really I feel like this whole part is it shows me how I feel like Abby's arc works a lot better as its own game, which Patrick got at before he left, because I feel like you can see her growing and changing in some of these moments. Mm -hmm. And like even the nightmare that Rob mentioned, where it's like she kind of gets over the grudge, if only for a moment to think about someone else for a second, which is like a more relatable sentiment to me than a lot of the other reactions we've seen people have so far. And like. It's corny as hell for her to be like, wow, the Seraphites are people. But like that, it, it at least was like a series of narrative beats that I was like, okay, this is a train I can get on and I can follow you all the way to the next station on it because I like, I get this. There's an emotional truth to this. I, I feel like it's part of where I struggle is that like they show Lev and Yara as these like fully realized characters with like flaws and, and personalities and so on. But like, it's almost like they're allowed to be people because they've defected from the Seraphites. And that was tough for me because I just wasn't sure what the larger statement being made there was. And anything I can think of is, is not, not so flattering to the game. And it's, I did at least find it compelling that like Lev is still a religious person, even though he's like recognizing the damage that the, this, this ideology can hold. And I was like, that's, that's a cool tension. Like that's, I think this is something that like a lot of uh, queer players who've like really, uh, have re Lev resonate with them and I count myself among them have, have responded to is like that, that arc for him, um, like sort of coming to terms with who he is and also being like, wow, I'm part of a society that hates this. And like, how am I going to negotiate with that? And that's compelling, but it's like a C plot at best. And it's also a C plot that is going to get so incredibly violent that it's I don't know I guess we can just get to that when we get to that but I it it was really tough for me to feel that it was earned I just I guess I just didn't feel like the the that part was earned but whatever I'm skipping around sorry Rob I'm wrestling I'm wrestling with your structure here uh, <laughs> I am yeah no I um 
I think the the stuff with like I, I think this is also though like Emmanuel, you you've just been through a bunch of the naughty dog oeuvre. Um, don't remember wrong, but like the stuff with Abby and the kids, particularly Lev, that's also the most this game turns back into the Uncharted model, right? Like it's a mm-hmm. lot of banter and adventuring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, banter, adventuring, uh, swinging from ledges, falling through incredible heights, and living. There's some, uh, <laughs> I believe there's some, even even some, um, like, Crash Bandicoot running from a boulder situations, which is, like, in every Naughty Dog game, which at this point I, fa- I find endearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, all right, Emmanuel, we will let you go there. Uh, sorry we couldn't. Uh, I've lost complete control of this thing. I'm, like. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I also like have Isaac to go in, like, 30 minutes, cast. so let's just see if we can power through yeah. the end of this let's game, go. Rob. Let's see if we can get there. Yeah, just drink the poison. All right, here we go. Here we go. So, rescues the kids. Yara's arm is totally fucked. Mel needs a lot of medical supplies. Lev has to guide uh, Abby through the through the uh, sky bridges, as Manuel alluded mm-hmm. to. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. I love the bit, the beat where um, Abby's afraid of heights as she's going across one of these like cranes that's being used as a bridge um, at a really like precarious moment. Uh, Lev asks, so uh, what's with you and Owen? <laughs> it's such a good, like... I love it, though. He's such a good yeah, little right. companion, because, like, it does distract Abby from how, like, terrified she is, and, I like, know. gets the first, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, now? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that beat. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's And a it lot- feels real. Like, it's like the question that that person would ask in that situation and be like, you want to tell me what the drama is? Because that interaction was like real awkward back there. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. This is what I struggle with so much just with this game is that the moment to moment, like personable dialogue is so great. And like, I don't yeah. know whether I should credit Neil Druckmann or Hallie Gross with that. I'll credit both of them with that. I, I think a lot of those uh, character building moments are wonderful, but then it's like they're stuck in this horrific machine that goes yeah. nowhere at all and cannot and is like crushed under its own weight I repeatedly. Mean, and I it's, but those little moments though, they're so freaking good. The Klepek edit would fix a lot of this. Like the, like Abby just has this adventure and you're, you, you allow yourself for to, to forget what you did at the start where you're like, I guess uh, I killed that Joel guy. And Not like now the rest of the game is this other story. Same. And like the realization that you are being it's, hunted, that yeah, all of this is coming back. That would have been great. Um, and this section is so extended. You can almost feel that it's going to be that way. Um, so like it. Rob's back. You can Rob, sort you of, just froze for like 10 minutes. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, and so you can you can yeah. sort of pretend in the like the throes of this Abbey section that this is the game and like to a degree you don't know how this is going to end you just sort of get caught up in the moment and you forget for a minute that it's all going to end in tears real soon um, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been more effective like if it had just sort of hit you from the blind side um, yeah and just been shorter overall but we've said it before yeah. we'll say it again yeah. but <laughs> A perfect example of like places this game could have been shorter. One of my favorite sequences in the game, you fall off the sky bridge through a skylight into a pool um, and you survive. But now you're trapped in the middle floors of a giant hotel. Um, 
Yeah, I just turned off my camera. Okay. Hello. I think you're back. Yep. I think you're back. Try it. Try it again. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm back, but I, it might just be the connection too. Um, I'm getting a. Yeah, my, you're getting my like internet unstable keeps, warnings and stuff like that. Yeah, my call quality keeps dipping. Um, anyway, so perfect example of this game maybe being over long, even what's being good, is you fall off the sky bridge, you plunge like thirty stories into a hotel pool, and now you're trapped in this hotel. Yeah, and I think this is a great sequence to start. Like you have to get through this hotel. <laughs> And there's this moment you sort of realize the center of the hotel's kind of collapsed and you look down and you have to make your way down through this shattered hotel and it's like 30 stories to the ground and it's all just in this black chasm that's full of zombies. And yeah. it is a descent into hell. It is nightmarish. It is like knife edge tension. For the first 20 minutes, you're doing it. <laughs> yep. And then there's a point oh. where I was like, I think I got a handle on this setting. And the game's like, nah. Like, how about... <laughs> you You saw those 30 floors. We're going to make you walk those 30 floors. I was stunned. <laughs> I was like, none of that skyboxed? None of that's yeah. just like right. a texture? Yeah. Well, the, the true power of the PS4. <laughs> yeah. I got. I was getting real tired of the game by this point. And, and I feel bad even saying that because like... I know the story isn't even done yet. Like, we're not even close. But, like, as I was playing it, I was just experiencing so much fatigue. And I was like, I get it. I get what you're telling me. I get what these combat sequences are. I'm so good on it. And it just yeah. kept going and going and even, going. Even as the person who was like, you know, a few more zombie encounters would have been good. This specific, the length of this one encounter yeah. was too long. Yeah. Like, you yeah. could have cut off, like, they could have maybe gotten to the elevator halfway down and pulled it down or some shit, right? Like, yeah, like, I don't know, ride the elevator cable like, down the rest of the way. I look, so, Yeah, exactly. There's all sorts of ways to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it definitely was like, okay, like, I didn't need to use the guns that much. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> well, and also, they kind of uh, make it, it easy because like, they give you flamethrower juice. So yes, they're also yeah. like, oh you just boy. light How these How close are we up. to that boss? When do we get to the boss? We got to just chug through okay. the rest of the game. Yeah. So yeah. hospital, uh, you go straight from the hotel, basically to the hospital. The next thing you do is Abby goes to the hospital and is like, I need a bunch of medicine. Nora's like, this doesn't feel legit. Like Abby mm -hmm. is so clearly AWOL. She even gets arrested by yes. the WLF yeah. um, and like like trapped in an elevator, Nora lets her loose and tells her like, look, the medicine you want, this place is picked over. I don't know where that stuff would be except maybe the lower floors. Uh, but nobody goes down there because they are infested as all hell. And so that's Haven't where you got to go. Um, mm -hmm. And you got to fight a big old gooey resident evil boss in order to eventually find the ambulance <laughs> that has the shit you need. And it's, Okay, so but that long. ambulance across the parking garage is one of the most menacing fucking things I've ever seen. Like, th th oh, yeah. I checked every other corner of that room just in case there was a different way to go. I was like, that's going to suck. Yep. I know that's going to suck the second I get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's spotlit, like, across uh -huh. this, like, black yep. You void. know exactly. that's where you got to go. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, maybe the medicine is in one of these empty cabinets instead. And yeah. No, yeah. no. <laughs> It's real tense, but it's also playing the hits of, like, Abby keeps finding, like, 
Oh, this is from the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. And and also like notes about like the early days of the infection. And Uh again, it's like, yeah, it's zombie fiction, man. Like we get it. Like, Mm -hmm. like we played Mm -hmm. the first game. We even lived through. But also like this game isn't about this shit. Yeah. Every time I I came across stuff like this, I was just like, yeah, this is cool scene setting in a game that is disinterested in the world that it has created. Like it doesn't really want to be a zombie game anymore. It wants to be a game about people. And that's. That's chill, but then it just means that I care a lot less about these dramatic But then letters. you gotta fight the zombie Sarlacc or whatever the fuck it is. You do. Like, you do. Um, it's fine. That's fine. The Rat King. The zombie Rat King. <laughs> the zombie Rat King, yeah. And you just yes. gotta keep exploding yeah. it and burning it. Yeah, you just gotta yeah. keep throwing stuff at it. I and did, in my case, I running did. around the room and picking stuff up and then running back. And it yes. stopped being tense real it. fast and became comical. Yes. Where I'm like... It was... Not Benny Hill theme yep. ass running around in a circle, ring around the rosy. Mm-hmm. I do. I will say the one part where the like part of it splits off was kind of a neat idea. Yeah. That I wish it had explored yeah. more. But I thought like, I yeah, thought there were going to be just, more levels, which I wasn't yes. looking forward to. I was like, please. If like, those came at a faster clip, I could see that being an interesting boss fight. But yeah. it was just like, here's the halfway point. It splits into two, and like now keep going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, it's a tense sequence, um, but that fight did get a little comical. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then you—it just feels like it's from a different game. But yeah, it it super does. Because uh, you can never go back to stealth, even if you break. Like as the person who was doing stealth most of the time, there was no way to break eye line of sight. Right. To, like they they were they didn't want you to be able to craft too many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like you could craft one thing and then the thing would be on you again, like in that room. Yeah. Instead of like it having to look for you in stealth and you being able to kind of take a breather. It's like, no, this is like this is the high octane fight in the game that has a lot Which of stuff. Which then in becomes it. <laughs> not high octane, though, because I just got right. to know the area that I was in so well exactly. and where yep. every single item was by the end. I was like, I run here like, first, uh, I, I can get stand this first, here. then I do this, then I get this, then I get the yep. extra flamethrower ammo from that room, and then I run over here so that I buy myself enough time for the boss to come more slowly towards me. It was like, it just yeah. became so rote by the end, which I guess is like, maybe that's fun for some people. I'm not a boss fight person, um, but, you know, no, figuring no, out the patterns like, of a boss I know is, is very satisfying for for other gamers out there just not me yeah <laughs> uh quick shout out to a scene we forgot i liked the fairy sequence earlier in the game that was cool once again creepy backstory of somebody losing mm-hmm. their mind it was it was fun fighting mm. the zombies on a boat pretty good. fun you know there's still zombies even on a boat that's cool <laughs> um so crossbow get a crossbow out of the deal <laughs> the crossbow's good yeah Oh, you yeah. deal yeah. with all that shit. You get the medicine. You go back. Mel performs the surgery. No yeah. sooner is Yara recovering from having her arm amputated than Owen does not play it cool and kind of tips his hand that like he's hooked up with Abby. Mel loses her shit and it's like, Abby, you're a piece of shit. You've always been a piece mm-hmm. of shit, uh, which cuts yeah. to the quick because on some level, Abby feels like maybe she always has been a piece of shit while she was consumed mm-hmm. by this revenge quest. Uh, has she been good to any of these people? Probably not. Yeah. Certainly not Mal. Um, and then, and then Lev. Oh, I love this. Yeah. There's this quote that happens during this exchange with Owen right after the, or like during or after the Yara surgery where Abby says, when did we change? They're just kids as if like, because they, they're still coming to terms with the fact that they're ch- kids and not scars to them. Yeah. And Owen responds, maybe when we stopped looking for the light, which is the Ugh. firefly 
the Firefly model motto is look for the light, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, you're corny. Bob you is miming, choking himself right now. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, uh. Uh, of all the like, Where, where's my bleach? It's just like one that's stuck up out where I was like, what? Why? Why are we doing this? Now? Remember the Fireflies, that beloved organization that yeah, uh, that did no wrong yeah. according to this game. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Lev is confronted with the possibility that they're just leaving. Like, Owen's plan is, like, all of us, Abby, Mel, the kids, we're just getting out. We will start out our weird personal mm-hmm. dynamics later, but, like, we need to get out of this war, which is extremely good advice. Like, Owen is mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Um, but Lev, <laughs> in an example of where the nuclear family is not good, Lev is like, I must say goodbye yeah. to mother and mm. uh, see if I can convince her to come with us. And so... Lev goes to uh, Seraphite Island and uh, he's taken the good boat. And so Abby and Yara have to go find one of their own. And while they're on the way, uh, they run into Manny and they get ambushed immediately by Tommy. Like, like literally Abby is walking out a door, sniper fire. She's tackled the ground by Manny. And he explains that like, hey, everybody's dead. Like, except for you, me, Owen, and Mel, like, everybody has gotten killed by these people who've just shown up. And uh, they think, like, this is it. This is him. Uh, And Tommy is keeping them under sniper fire. It's the standard, like, bounce from cover to cover. Like, pop the guy loose. Um, And in the middle of all this, like, they're hot on Tommy's heels, but he's tricked them. And he's actually lured them into a shooting gallery and he just pops Manny uh, and yeah. Manny's yep. just gone. And that scene like kind of hit hard. I was like, because there, there are certain deaths in this game that are so brutal and fast that they're kind of shocking in that children of men way where like a character is there mm-hmm. and then they're just gone. Uh, yeah. And that's how Manny goes. Like literally there's not even a moment to like contemplate what happened because Abby is still under fire and just has to get clear. Um, and she ends, she tracks down Tommy, gets in a fist fight, is losing it. And then Yara, I think, saves her. Um, and like Tommy gets punted uh, into the water. Mm-hmm. Yara coming in at that point was one of the more deus ex machina moments of the, all the deus ex machina moments in this where game was she that, for all of it i was like why did she move yeah. where did she come from yeah. how did she get there there's when it a took, lot of that there's a lot like, of how did like, she get there when abby was hard. being shot by yeah why didn't manny notice that there was a kid there where was yara yeah don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it don't worry about it you yeah. guys are asking the wrong questions <sighs> uh, it's about people <laughs> it's about people and their their stories and that's it yeah. it's not about time or like logistics yeah uh so it's Yara and Abby, they go to the island. It's a cool setting. It's like all uh, like rustic villages. They're a Luddite cult. Mm-hmm. No technology. Lots of tall grass and crops. Uh, lots yeah. of dun-colored robes. Um, you know, lots of choking people out in the tall grass. and like <laughs> Lots of stacking their- up bodies in the tall grass if you're me and just like hiding behind a convenient... <laughs> Uh, outcropping of wood and just stacking people up back there and then making my way through, you know? Yeah, I actually, so I didn't. So I turned into Kato for the sequence where I was like, oh, nice. these are yeah. peaceful people. Like, I am not here to fuck them up. I am mm. just going to ghost through this and uh, Counterpoint, get clear. Counterpoint, 
these people are terrible. <laughs> like yeah. their ideology is horrific. So like, I don't know. I don't know what the game wants us to think of this because again, it wants to have almost every side by being like, but they're really just people. And I'm like, are they? Cause they treated Lev like shit. So like, yes, they are people, well, but like, why did they do this? And like, yeah. are we going to really navigate what that means for him and the lives of other almost certainly queer people who are still a part of this cult and being forced to live in this absurd situation where like well, they can't leave without suffering. And I, so and, it's, ugh. it's a, yeah, it's a weird dynamic where like Lev very clearly is like, I don't renounce any of this. I don't even renounce my people. Really. I do right. renounce the leadership we're under. I renounce what is being forced on me. Uh, mm -hmm. But Lev kind of takes the, we've got some bad apples in our leadership uh, yeah. position we're like our pastor sucks and yeah. it's like yeah but you're in a cult so the pastor's kind of the whole deal in some ways right. but but he's punished a lot for assuming this and for thinking that it's just a few bad apples and not the ideology itself he's he's punished so tell us how that's tell us how the lev arc ends I feel like I've like blocked it out because I was so upset by the scene. So if I describe God, it inaccurately, yeah. it's because I've been trying to forget. But you you do eventually uh, sneaky sneak your way uh, to a house that's there's a lot of fire in this sequence. It's it's very dire. Oh, looking. well, the invasion yeah, started. The, the, it's yes, it, it's the exact same night as the invasion. Everything's that was being, on the that was same looming day. This whole time. Yeah, it's yeah, everything's Rashomon, happening at the it's, same it's, time. Everything's all coming to a head. Um, so you you get to Lev's house which is like, you know, uh, going up in fireworks or whatever. And also emotional fireworks because Lev is completely traumatized, like huddled up in the corner of the room. And he confesses to you that he had to kill his own mother in self-defense because she hates him for being trans, basically. And that was a reveal that was so shocking to me. Like the extent to which this game is not a mom game. I think can be encapsulated by this moment because the it's only like, mom. Damn. Okay, like there's a couple pregnant women as well. They're also treated in very weird ways, but like okay. This is not always true, but typically even a fundamentalist parent when they have a queer child they will really struggle with that morally and that will be a significant arc in their life where they realize that this person that they love is this thing that they've been told to hate and they'll question that. We don't get to see any of that from Love's mom. We have no idea who she is. We never even see her body, I don't think. We don't like have a sense of no, her as a person. There. Okay, I clearly like yeah, exited this as fast as I could. Get. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just was like, I'm fucking done with this because I was upset by this portrayal of like the queer experience and like this denouement of that reveal was just so upsetting to me especially since this is a character who everything we know about Lev's relationship with his mom up to now is that apparently it was strong enough of a bond that he risked his life to go all the way back to try to convince her so he believed he could and are we supposed to think that that was stupid and like naive of him to believe that like that's really sad and horrifying and it's like wow he should have known better, I guess. And he should have trusted Abby, this person he met two seconds ago and like stayed safe with her. And like, now mm -hmm. she's going to like kind of be a maternal oh. figure in his life and save him. And like, that's Yara, chill, Yara but... does also make the, the, make the, make that same argument. Though, right. 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 Yara's like, I, 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 you should not go back. From right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but then it's like, okay. I, I just, 
as far as storylines go, I'm just like, why was this the one you went with? Like, it's a storyline that makes the Seraphite seem irredeemably evil and like dehumanizes Lev's mom in a pretty significant way, as opposed to like mm. introducing some sense of complexity about a parent-child relationship, which is nominally what this series wants to be about. It's got plenty of daddy-daughter shit going on, but you can't do like a son-mom storyline for me and like mix it up a little bit. Like, I don't know. I just the fact that they kill her off screen really fucked with me yeah. and like to have yeah. it be gritty scene setting for Lev, especially given what I've already called cowardly in the sense that the Seraphites are presented as this queer phobic cult, but like that's just all part of Lev's gritty backstory. And like, that's, that's what it's, that's what it's yeah. like for people in this world. And like it, it bigotry is <clears throat> just, just never going to go away. I don't know. There was like, no, there's no nuance here. And that's, a choice that's made there. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's a good piece of Pace Games about the degree to which, uh, like, Lev as a character feels like uh, he exists so that we can feel better about, like, for so it's a cis yes. audience can feel better about themselves. Like, look how, yes. like, what's what's this guy's deal? I'm I must know. This is like mm -hmm. this is one of the things the story must unpack. And it's like, do you need to know that? Like, like this story isn't then from Lev's perspective. And this is where this becomes undeniable is this sequence because Lev has this entire gothic horror tragedy unfold mm -hmm. off screen, mostly yeah. so it can serve the instrumental purpose of tying off that plot arc. Uh, well, yeah. you know, your community rejected you. Your mom had to and kill her. Evil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so now you can become Ellie to Abby's joy. Abby. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 his destiny. That's it's his your arc. Role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I I have to go soon, so I'm going to try to land on the other point that I've like made in a few places, which is like and I don't say this in an insulting way at all. This game is for straight people fundamentally. Like it is and it has to be because that's the majority of the people who need to connect with the game. So it needs to present a version of queerness that is understandable to the straight audience and I, I get that that sounds like I'm insulting the game in some way, but I'm I'm truly not trying to do that. I think it's something that a lot of media that is about queer people does because it is necessary in order to explain the queer experience in like a series of signifiers that we see in media about straight people that has like dominated all of our consciousness for so long. And I think that's why this game has to present Ellie and Dina's relationship in the way that it does. Like there are many other ways that a queer family can emerge. And like many queer people are super familiar with like untraditional family structures and like that being a part of queerness. But there are also queer people who are much more traditional and have follow a much more nuclear family unit. And like, that's also a valid expression of queerness. But to me, it's very striking that this game is choosing to show these very uh, normative uh, families and just being yeah. like, even though it is a game that is about queer people, the stories that they're falling into are straight ones, or at least ones that are very recognizable and familiar and feel safe to a straight audience. And like, the scene at the end with Dina and Ellie in the farmhouse, like Dina's the mom and Ellie's the deadbeat dad. Like it's, mm -hmm. it is very gender normative and like Lev's storyline 
is very similar to me because it's like this is seen through a cisgender lens. Like this is a trans character who is talked about by two cis characters off screen who are talking about him and describing his experiences and being like, wow, like Yara's like, I didn't really understand it, but now I do. And it's like, those are the kinds of conversations that like cis straight people have when queer people aren't around where they're like, yeah, this is like really weird. Right. But like, oh, we're figuring it out. Right. Like we straights. And it's like, why do you think that's the perspective that I want to see as a player? I don't want to see it. I like don't care about it. But like I I also understand that that's what the game has to show because it's not actually for me. It's about me, but it's not really for me and it's also I don't know. And I'm also trying not to I'm not trying to trivialize the fact that queer people worked on this game. I know they did and I think they probably helped a ton. Like I'm not saying the game's offensive or something like that. Like it, it's not that. It's just that like it's a game for straight people, you know? Do you know? Right. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you even see it, you even see it in like, and I, people make the argument that like the whole Lev Abby storyline is about found family. Right. But even that structure of found family that they've created is super heteronormative, mm-hmm. right? Like, like super um, uh, uh, traditional in that like Abby is the parent to this kid. Right, right. right? Like, like Lev loses his mother, he has to kill her and he gets he, a new mother. Replace, yeah, gets a new mom. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and it's just like, uh, I feel like in in part part of me feels like it's great that um, people who maybe don't have the exposure to a lot of queer indie games that exist in the world that tell much more interesting queer stories yeah. have this as a kind of foothold. Mm-hmm. If the way you interact with games is only through what Sony and Microsoft put out. Um, it's like a small step in the right direction, but it's just like as a person who, you know, as a queer person who takes in a lot of different types of games, this is like, we don't need this anymore. We yeah. are past this form of representation at this point. Yeah. Um, and it feels like a lot of, and like, you know, and this, yeah, like I, I said, like I, I see this argument actually from other queer folk that I know that are, that don't engage in games in the same way as I do that are like the, like the, um, that the story, like, you know, is important to them. And I'm just like, please play any other games. <laughs> like, here, here, take, there's all I mean, sorts of good shit I, out there I feel right like, now. I feel like part of why it's so important to people is, like, capitalist reasons, which I right. sound like such an asshole saying this, but, like, the idea that it's a victory that, like, a very expensive video game is depicting queerness. Right. Like that is right. not a victory to me, but I am not interested in capitalism. I, so I understand the the argument that by pushing the the things that get put into the mainstream, you kind of ch- change or you normalize do, certain yes. things. But it it but, this is such a small step at this point. Like we should be past this type of story story being told about queer people in the mainstream already right it feels like we are in other media right i feel like there are better queer stories in in television in, in uh and films there are and there's even if they're like, bad better political stories that get at the cycle yeah. of violence in like more productive and cool ways than this game does like pretty right. much everything this game is trying to do it's just not going far enough for me and like that is why mm-hmm. i didn't like it is because i'm like you got all the pieces here but then that's it. You didn't move them around. <laughs> um, I have fucked up. We're out, we're out of time. Uh, cool. We are, so here's what I'm going to propose. We do a quick, like we regroup at some point, like today. 
The Last of Us Part Two, Part Two, yeah. where we just record a quick hour, I, a quick hour is, on the very end it of is, the game. I could sp- I could split this into two different podcasts. We are at four hours on this recording. Maybe we should. So if we want to do one last thing. I can't. One last thing at the I end. I don't know if I can do it because I can't do it until like 6 p.m. And I feel like you guys don't want to. Do I could that, do that. Right? Okay. I could do, do that. I could do 6 p.m. <laughs> All right. Let's. Oh my God. Okay, we will, okay great. We will I will do... see you both at yes. 6. Yes. All right. Throw to, a, throw, to a, throw to another break. This will be the break for the second All half right. of the podcast. Uh, so we will. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> we will deal with the end of this game uh, on, <laughs> after this break. Uh, I've really nailed running this. Uh, this show uh like turns out game's too long man the game's, game's so long, long. <laughs> it's so long it's long and it says cool. nothing all right cool. all right bye we'll be for right now. Back. see you in a bit hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back, uh, still on Seraphite Island. Yep, uh, we never left. It seemed like we left for several hours and did some other things, but we didn't actually. No, we're still here. Uh, yeah. So we finish tying off uh, Lev's arc and Lev's parentage. Yeah, Lev's yeah. history with this horrific cult. And yeah, then Donzo. It's a swift descent into like sort of the Gotodamarung of the Seraphite WLF war. Like it, like everything that happens from here is nightmarish in a good way. Like I think the game wants this to be like almost a delirium of like violence and terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does that pretty effectively. Like you walk out of that village and like the WLF is in the streets, like mowing people down. There's there's an old settlement from the old world uh, still on that island that the Seraphites don't inhabit. So uh, Ellie and the kids think they can sneak through there. You mean uh, Abby? But it's fine. Yeah. Get them Abby. mixed up. <laughs> uh, Abby and the kids think they can sneak through there. Um, you can see the WLF is in the streets, uh, just like executing prisoners. They're talking about. Uh, you know, burning the villages of the town, villages to the ground, etc. Yeah, there's a lot of fire by this point, so it seems like they're going to achieve that goal. Yeah, I think there's another like locked kind of boss fight situation. I'm curious, Kato, if you could get out of it, where you have to fight the nope. guy with the axe here. Oh no, no this isn't there. That's the oh. very end of the island. Okay, oh, this is be- Yara is still here. Right. Yeah. Right. So you're you're going through the town and you're about to make your break for the the docks uh the mm-hmm. seraphites have and that's when Isaac and uh oh, like right. his sort of praetorian guard ambush you mm-hmm. and 
Abby tries to reason with Isaac and is like, these are kids. Like they're not, they're not serified soldiers. They're with me. And she tries badly to get, get this thing ratcheted down yeah, uh, and be allowed to go in peace. But Isaac's position seems to be Abby's, if not a traitor, at least a deserter. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just not hearing this argument at all. And the Seraphite kids are Seraphites. And mm-hmm. all of them are getting killed by the WLF today. Uh, and so he orders Abby to stand aside. Um, and Yara, I think, has already been shot at this point. She's yeah, she dies. Absolutely She's shot presumed in the ambush. dead in the ambush. Yes. But then, as Isaac is pointing the gun at Lev, in like one last final moment, she takes him out. <laughs> Right, yeah. that's right. She gets a, a noble sacrifice scene. Right. It's all coming back to me. These are all right. the things that I tried to forget. I well, because then, like, then she gets riddled the with bullets in like the most I brutal, know. just like, you see like a <gasps> solid two seconds of her body just being like, like as all the WLF like shoot her after she shoots Isaac. And she's like, we didn't... Did- she was already dead. This, this is <laughs> like, going to make me sound like I've lost it, which I guess I did lose it while I was playing the game in the section. But there was a point at which it was so hyper violent that it became comedic to me. Yeah. Like I became I like disassociated in some way. And I was just like, this is starting to feel like sitcom worthy, like series of misunderstandings and like almost slapstick level and like by this point like so many deaths had happened that i was like utterly disconnected emotionally from the game which i know is not the desired effect of this scene (laughs) like i was supposed to be in it but like after they revealed that lev killed his mom i was just like all right this is just a world where absurd hyperviolence is going to happen to these characters. And I need to like emotionally check out in order to like survive the rest of the onslaught of this game. So I was like already at that point when I got here, I was like, cool. Yeah, whatever. I think this introduces the thing that you and I were talking a little bit about Maddie, which is that I think one of the frustrating things about this game is there's often the counter argument inviting itself, which is that all of this is intended. This is right. all an intended reading. And mm-hmm. the things you don't like are the exact effects that the game set out to produce, which right. may be true. But I think that just moves where the discussion is. Like, I don't look at The Last of Us and think, oh, this has no idea what it's doing. I think it does. I just think what it is doing is often kind of not worth doing in the first place. Like, these are... Just more like more broadly speaking, hyperviolence making it unappealing is not particularly difficult, right? Like that's right. not that's not a challenge uh, that yeah, like, like every day in my life, I resist hyperviolence. It's not it, it, I'm doing it every day, you know? I'm living my life seeing other people <laughs> as people. <laughs> so yeah, it's not that and, hard to convince me that maybe I shouldn't murder a person. Yeah, and and so like having a game that you know to use that word that you you return to a lot that's this didactic, mm-hmm. and what it has to teach you is actually a really pedestrian lesson. It's like kind of a it does feel I think a bit pompous in the sense that it thinks it has like really important things to impart and will expound on them at great length, but often it comes down to really like simplistic 
and not particularly enlightening lessons that the game is trying to hammer home again and again and again. And if like if we aren't the intended subject of that, then it's meant to demonstrate something about the characters. But then that moves the question to, okay, but then why are these interesting characters to spend time with? And I, right. we'll get to this more with Ellie, but I think because I think in terms of this, Abby's actually in an okay place right now in terms of her motivations. Like she has, uh, she has basically like chosen her humanity to abandon this uh, now thoroughly destructive cause. Um, like Isaac is very much taking a burn it all down. If the WLF can't have, you know, all of Seattle, no one will. Um, and she's now a woman without a cause or a country. She's just out there trying to survive and get this, get this kid out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, that this is like the only place that the last of us as a series seems to know to end up to show when someone's on the you know side of the angels. Right. Is when they suddenly have a kid to take care of that yeah. they've sort of fallen for in a parental way. And, and that's, that's the story that these games want to tell. Yeah. Uh, I, the, so once, once Yara was killed, I was also disappointed because like, I like Yara as a character. Yeah, I like, I am a little tired of the Naughty Dog structure where it's only you and one other character in most scenes just like yeah. kind of journeying together. I liked seeing these two siblings who weren't like your family, that it was like seeing somebody else's family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I liked that and I could have stood with more of that. Um, but either way, Yara is just brutally killed in like this De Palma-esque uh, yeah. fashion. Uh. Yeah. And at that point, like I I got some good killing done. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. Like Last of Us could put me in a good mindset where I was like, well, fuck these guys. So I think right after that sequence, like they stock the, the, this sort of game pond full of like WLF soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And I just had a good day of fishing out there where I was <laughs> like, here's a, Here's a big Here's some arena. morally justified violence. Yeah. But also don't feel too good about it, Rob, because uh, they've got families? Question mark. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I was fully in the, like, I recon the whole area. And I think this is where the game can be really good. Oh, These yeah. huge, like, stand-up, like, stealth sequences where, like, you have a couple minutes to, like, figure out where everyone is. Mm-hmm. sort of mark where your positions will be, where you can disappear to and like sort of game plan it all out. When you do that correctly and it all works, you do kind of feel like the predator in the best <laughs> yeah. sense. Um, I was reminded <laughs> yeah. at times of the original crisis game, mostly crap, but there is like three or four hours of crisis that is basically like the best predator game ever made where it is just about you like emerging from the shadows, uh. fucking people up, disappearing, watching the survivors like look around in terror. Like what the fuck just happened? Because mm-hmm. this doesn't comport with what I think is real and being like, yes, yes. Like your time will come soon. Uh, and this was me uh, through this last uh, stage of the, the island, killing a lot of these folks, 
Um, making my way feeling downtown. Feeling fine about it because by yeah. this point we've learned that all the factions are horrible, so we can just feel great about killing them, and watching it all burn. Except yeah, we also yeah. can't feel that great about it because we know Lev is cool. So I don't know. Right. That's like it does kind of end up in this place where like, well, Lev is cool, but the Seraphites are terrible. But Lev doesn't think so. But he's right. just a kid, and it like it does kind of have this flattening effect of like, look, how many people in the WLF also thought, hey, this is fucked. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? Yeah. And again, that's probably a different game, but I think, you know, to the point you've made I don't know if that. it is, though, because I, I feel like the parts of the game that I agree work really well and that, that Patrick mentioned 16 hours ago, the reason <laughs> Abby's section works is because I can look at her storyline and see some growth there. Like I can see her figuring some stuff out and, and like she's selfish at first. She takes her friends on this selfish journey, but she figures out that it's selfish. And unfortunately a lot of them have to die before she fully realizes that, but you sort of get it. You get the journey. I I think the dad reveal was corny as hell, but I, I understand this arc, but it doesn't feel like it matches the other half of the game, which is the Ellie half. And we're going to get back to that when we finally get up to the first confrontation between Ellie and Abby. But at least for this part, I mean, I don't know. The the problem, though, with everything I just said is that Lev's storyline still feels so bad to me. And I was so disappointed that the game went that way with him. And it, again, just felt like grim scene setting for the sake of scene setting to, like, advance the storyline of this, like, straight main character that I was just like, I don't like why I, I can't get over that part of it, but it's still a stronger half of the game than the Ellie half where yeah. I don't even understand why the fuck Ellie's doing any of the stuff she's doing. So yeah, I mean like largely I'm with you like this, this, these fight scenes are more satisfying because at least for this one moment of the game, it's a form of violence that feels somewhat justified. It's sort of morally complicated, but the game kind of feels like it's wrestling with that, or at least it wants to. Right. It just doesn't, that payoff doesn't ever really come. Like this is the last big fight we have with the Seraphites in the WLF, right? Or am I forgetting another No, one? this is it. Is this this it? is the like, and you sort of see, this is the end of this war. Uh, yeah. probably whoever. So once Isaac is dead, as you're killing various, uh, WLF, you start coming on scenes of their battle. And it's clear that like the WLF after a good start, like the element of surprise wears off mm-hmm. and there's just not a lot of them. They're on an Island full of people who hate them defending yeah. their homes. And like the WLF are getting hemmed in and like cut down. You can hear some of their radio calls where like everyone is calling for reinforcements there are none. This mm-hmm. invasion is failing. Yeah. It's it's not going to deliver a victory, but it also seems clear. It's not doesn't look like there's gonna be much left of the Seraphites at the right. end of this either. Uh, so it's like both sides are destroyed by their own folly. Yeah. I guess. It's mutually assured destruction. Like Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I don't I don't know how either of them rebuilds from this point. We don't get to see that, of course, but yeah. it's it, this is just again the background of the game. Yeah. Like we've spent a lot of time on the WLF and the Seraphites in this podcast, but it's like more than the game gives it. These this game is really about Abby and Ellie and their personal feelings uh, uh, towards each other and towards their dads. It's really not about these other big structures. The big structures are the background 
setting. I mean, yeah. I, you guys can feel free to disagree with me. That this was just my perception of how how these points were being laid out to me was that this was really a game about these two teen girls, and then it's yeah. like, and also the world they're in. It has these other yes. two sides and that's sort of like a fractured metaphor of, of their struggle. No, I, I agree. I think that like, it is about situating Abby against this backdrop. And that is how this battle is playing out. Like you are mm-hmm. now trying to escape. It's a really impressive set piece as you are like trying to escape this war zone as the world is increasingly just on fire all around you. The main Seraphite like town is completely ablaze uh, people mm-hmm. are now just like having running gun battles in the burning buildings, uh, which is, you know, there's your visual metaphor, like two sides, right. like trying to mow each other Still down. Still trying to kill each yeah. other while the, the building burns down, you yeah. know, um, they can't let it go. They can't then, yeah, let the it axe go. <laughs> the axe dude who um, yeah, axe dude. Patrick pointed out to me is like one of three black characters who gets yep. notable uh mm-hmm. screen time mm-hmm. and, and is depicted as a uh unspeaking aggressor yeah just a, a golem like figure uh yep. not not golem but like golem uh yeah <laughs> just i mean yeah. he's also like disfigured right he has like a facial scar i think you right? give him you that. put it there oh you give him one yeah. it's coming back to me yeah <laughs> yeah that part was no it's rough. like you yeah. physically destroy this guy before cool. the end of the fight. And again, it turns... I don't know why I've got this game on my brain. Uh, maybe it's because the scene sort of planted it. Yeah. By the end of that, the dude looks like the Joker in Arkham Asylum, uh, in, in Arkham this City. right? Just all right. exactly up. like right. Arkham Asylum. And it's exactly <laughs> like the Dark Knight. It's the parallels, man. Uh... <laughs> You know, but the Dark Knight put Joker and Batman in a room together and had them talk. Oh, I know. I I like comparing this game to the Dark Knight like as sort of a joke, but it's also sort of not a joke because I feel like, well, Ellie's Batman in the situation and Abby is the Joker because, of course, in the Dark Knight, the Joker ends up being the truly sympathetic character as as misguided as he is in his own way. But uh, Ellie is the character who goes too far, much like Batman in the Dark Knight. Anyway, it's a... it's a, it's, I mean, it is a couple. Wow, I'm not sure I buy that reading, but that's another discussion. <laughs> okay. uh, so, cool. we'll yeah. We'll record another show about it. <laughs> so, you just brutally kill this dude, hop on your boat, get the fuck out, go back to the aquarium, wonder what's happened since we left, uh, walk in, dog's dead. Mm hmm. And it's a, it's a horrible scene. It's like a home invasion nightmare shit where, like, everyone that you left is now is dead, like, been brutally yeah. killed by, by Abby, um, Ellie. by Ellie. Uh, <laughs> look, I've been talking a lot today. Are you doing this on purpose, man? Anyway. Yeah. Who can say who really killed who? Black Swan. It's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah. So that sets up this final confrontation. Uh, mm-hmm. Abby tracks them using that map to the theater. I think this is the first time the game does a forgiving time jump, by the way, where it just takes you right to the theater. And I, I was, was so, so terrified they were going to make I was like, thank God. I don't think you get a single other one of these, which the game badly needs to give you at so many uh, points. This it is doesn't the only make one, you walk from Jackson to Santa Barbara. 
That's his like, one concession. It almost does. It feels like it does. It's like it's like as though it's like baby's first film where it's like, oh, well, we, if we don't film people saying hello and goodbye on the telephone, how will the viewer know that they said hello and goodbye? It's like that. But the game where like every single thing you have to experience fully. Anyway, I love that this time jump was here. I was. Deeply yeah, grateful. I was. I was like, I cannot go through the ruins of Seattle. I can't. One more time. I, I just need not. to. I need to get to this. Um, yeah. So let's talk through this because we didn't discuss it from Ellie's point of view, but the mm-hmm. same things happen. We didn't talk about Jesse dying. Yeah. So like Abby and Lev sneak in there. They find uh, Tommy uh, sort of pouring over a map or something like preparing for the yeah. trip back. Yeah. Pardon? I said, yeah. Uh, and the thing about they, they hold him at gunpoint and Ellie and Jesse hear the commotion and come a running. And as they burst through the door, just Abby shoots Jesse through the through the face. Through the and head, he's just dead. Yeah. He's dead um, instantly. It's similar to the Manny death. I mean, it happens yes, before very. and also after, but it's very much like a suddenly this person is dead and there's no time to consider it. And the game doesn't really give the characters a lot of space to consider it either, which I, I don't, I'm not saying that's a failing. I think no. it's, I think it's part of the story that they're trying to tell is like, it's very sudden and, and brutal. Right. Like all the things that were looking to be resolved just won't be, uh, mm-hmm. where Jesse fit with the life of this child. Uh, right. Like, like where, could like, it be a different vision of a family yeah. that isn't quite as nuclear? No. Yeah. As it turns like, out it won't be. <laughs> and Jesse's angst over like, what does it say that like, she wouldn't talk to me about this? Like, mm-hmm. what are my rights here? Like all these interesting <laughs> yeah, men's spaces. rights. Where, where, where's that story? <laughs> in, in all God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, but I think there's an element of, Jesse's meant to be a sympathetic character, though. Oh, uh, yeah. I love like Jesse. He's, he's rad. And I was really sad when he died. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I again, like, of all the people who don't deserve, like, to be pulled into all the shit, like, yeah. Jesse just doesn't. Jesse is kind of a sweet, bro-y dude yeah. who just wants to serve his community. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, maybe not be a deadbeat dad. He's not sure. Like, whatever. And he's just, just brutally like killed. game for whatever Dina decides, seemingly. I mean, he's presented, like, pretty unequivocally as, like, a good dude. But I think yeah. that's why it's supposed to hit you so hard. Oh, yeah. Guys. Also, yet another character of color dying, mm-hmm. if anybody's keeping a score in Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and so then, the way this all plays out is a bit odd. Ellie puts her hands up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm the one you want. I'm the reason Joel did what he did. And it's like, Ellie, why do you think Abby's here? It's like, do you think this is about Salt Lake City? Do you think this is about the Firefly Hospital at this point? It's, it's just kind of this weird, like, you just <laughs> killed all her friends. friends. And Ellie's like, damn, this is about Salt Lake City, isn't it? This is about Joel. And it's like, no, Joel was like a hundred miles in the yeah. rear view at this point. Like, it's about you. Yeah. And I don't know if, like, it's an example of Ellie being really dense that the game doesn't pause and linger over. But I think Abby pretty much addresses this 
Uh, like, I think this is where the, this is the thesis of the game. This is where the game probably should be ending. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've made this point. In this my is piece, where I thought like, the game a- was going to end, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Is yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Abby has a gun on Ellie and just says, like, in tears, but also kind of disbelieving, like, we let you live and you wasted it. And I think that is the point here. This is what yeah. happened. Like, they spared Tommy and Ellie. And you can say, like, as part of the WLF, they were still kind of like vicious soldiers. They were they were right. wolves. Yeah. Um, but as they far as like... all what, outsiders, human or otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were cold-blooded. But as far as, like, what's going on between them and the Jackson crew... Um, I think Abby has a very good point, which is that, like, look, it's a this is a horrible world, but you were left alive. You were given some mercy, mm-hmm. and this is what you did with it. This is like you came and killed everyone, um, and I think to me that's the central question for for what Ellie's arc is about, like you did you did kind of waste it like the things you've you, mm-hmm. the links you've gone to the people who've been killed the friends you've lost like what an awful squandering of possibility yeah, like just was happened. it worth it and I, I i do think the game argues that it was not worth it but of course it makes you endure it to show you that yeah um i was already on board with that from the jump but <laughs> i i do get that the point of the game is that it's not worth it um, I think the part of why this scene feels weird is also because Ellie and Abby never have a real conversation about the hospital either. Like, I feel like this is what it's opening up for. It's part of why I was maybe not quite frustrated by Ellie's line in the same way as you, Rob, because I was like, oh, okay, great. They will talk about the hospital. This is a strange time to do it, perhaps. But hey, let's 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 do this. Let's talk about who each of our dads are. Let's let's lay our dad cards on the table, ladies. <laughs> like, let's get it out here. Let's know what we're fighting for, which is fathers. And they don't do it. They never do that. They at no point have that conversation. And in the final hours of the game, it really made me feel increasingly unmoored from reality and also from the game itself because why wouldn't you have that conversation ever? Why would you not say that to your person that you're trying to kill? Like, you killed my father. I don't know. Say it Say it a single time, Abby. Yeah. Say it anytime. Anytime. Where's, where's the, like, just for, in terms of, like, satisfying, I know that Ellie is, again, you can say intentionally, like, Ellie's a taciturn, like, character who doesn't sure. talk about feelings. Sure, Okay, but, like, Abby's we're trying to make... Abby's not really, though? Yeah. Yeah. And we're trying to have an interesting, dramatic conflict here. Mm-hmm. And our two protagonists never discuss their conflict. And you can say, ah, but their language is violence. And it's like, yeah, but that's just video games, man. Like, <laughs> like it's just like it, that language in this game is kind of dot, dot, dot. Right. Like, go here, kill these people, sneak around these guys. Like, it doesn't communicate anything. These aren't these aren't two people who are like. Having this interesting, like, communicate conversation through their mutual violence that's mm-hmm. not re- like that doesn't really land for me kato maybe it landed for you because you didn't like get blood up to your armpits um <laughs> yeah, but like for, uh, if, not, like no not really and like it, it kind of runs counter to what you think you say the thesis is right like you wasted this time it's like right then take the time to figure out why 
I don't yeah. take the fucking time to talk to each other for a fucking second. And like, I get that the idea being that like fucking the world is so harsh that like there isn't time for those conversations between people who want to kill each other. Right. Like the fact I think, yeah, I think that thesis actually hits pretty hard and is kind of the reason so many of so many characters get offed the way they do. It's like they they don't get that time, but Ellie, mm-hmm. you did, and you fucked, yes. fucked it up, right? Yes, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it's just like I don't. Know, I think we should. I mean, get I, to the I guess end, it's like because there's yeah. More I guess there I guess too. it's like there's something to be said for the fact that the game takes the choice to just never gratify you in any way and i again i feel that that is what it's trying to do and and what what the the creators of the game would explain to me if i were to raise this is well we're not trying to leave you feeling satisfied we're trying to leave you dissatisfied because of this story of revenge is is supposed to lead to nothing but I guess I don't, I knew that is really yeah. my main mm. issue. Like I knew that from the opening credits. Well, so like in my review, I, like I always sort of wondered, like the line I opened on was the whole, like that old adage about like, if you seek revenge, dig two right, graves. Right, dig yeah. My point is that's a boring cliche though. That's the other part of this is like, that's some corny shit. Like who, <laughs> like who needs to hear, who needs to hear that? It's it's not an interesting story. Ah, revenge, you know, in chasing revenge, it costs you your soul. That's the, that's the dilemma in every revenge story. That's like, like this the is, starting point. Like you yeah. start there. You you start with that, but then you do something else. Literally, no good revenge story that I can name doesn't like just just never like never. What if it just never occurred to the protagonist or any of their allies that this might be going a bit far? Yeah, like like you need the freaking third act. Like, oh, I don't know, guys. Like, you need to give me that scene where somebody says, and you kind of do with Tommy telling Ellie. I don't know about this. We should turn back. I mean, I think that well, the way that that plays out doesn't really make do sense, f- especially given Tommy's actions later in the game. But it they kind of try to give you that. I just, I don't know. We've do said f- the same thing over and over. We can move yeah. on. <laughs> I do feel like at least partially it was trying to make Ellie seem doubtful of the quest at points. But I think that only works because I played it sneakily. The way you did. Yes. Right? Like the only kills that happened all were framed in like in the moment Ellie was backed into a corner and had to react in order to survive. Like right. the one the one that the one that's the least is Nora's because she's backed into a corner with the hole behind her and you question whether or not she knows what's down that hole. Right. You know, you could either say like she was just trying to get away and it happened to be the infected part, so that kind of fucked that up, but you could like Nora did mention that the lower grounds were uh yeah, infected. I don't, so I don't it's know. like yeah. you, did you do that on purpose or were you just was it just because you were backed into a corner? Mm-hmm. But so it does feel like and then like the things that actually happen are like the reaction after Nora's death, the reaction after Owen the Owen and Mel kills mm-hmm. are supposed to be like even if like she set out to kill them all by the time they get to seattle she is she asks those people for information about specifically abby because she thinks that one that could that like one-to-one exchange might help her get over the loss of joel right and yeah i don't Mm. 
Yeah. Qu- quick thing. Uh-huh. A complicating aspect of this whole, like, ah, revenge comes at a cost. Killing Joel's kind of worked out okay for Abby in terms of emotion. Yeah. Like, right. yeah. she kills Joel. Well, it's about the difference then, between revenge and and justice. And justice, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, that Abby's killing is, is uh, framed as justice because... Joel was the one who fucked up in the first place. He shouldn't have killed those Firefly that way. Like, maybe he could have gotten Ellie out a different way without actually blowing through them all. Um, use your words. What? Yeah. 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 Use, use, use your, words. your words, Joel. Or your fist. You can knock people out. You're strong. You probably couldn't take in that guy with a scalpel. Like, kick it out of his hand or some shit. I don't know. Like, I don't know. There's so many ways around Ellie's it. dad could indeed have beat up Abby's dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like, I mean, for sure. that's been proven. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's been yeah. proven. <laughs> but, but no, like, Joel's dead, and suddenly Abby's like, hmm, Owen. I'm good now. Like, yeah. yeah, we could start this thing up again. Sure, I'm ready now. And then she even gets the, the blessing from her dad in a dream. She opens the door to the operating room, and he's beaming at her. Like, he's smiling at her, and, like, he's at peace. She's at peace. Let's move on with our lives. That's kind of like like Abby's good, like yeah. having gotten this kill. And so even the message of well, like, ah, see. Well, no, because that doesn't happen until after you get she gets out with Lev. Right. That's the whole point of her arc is that Joel's death, Joel's kill doesn't actually help her in her head. Yeah. She immediately has the nightmare about her dad again. And then the next time that nightmare happens, it's about Yara and Lev. And then the last time that nightmare happens, it's not a nightmare. Her dad is right. like at peace, which is like right. her. Because arc she started of, like, helping people. Because she started yeah. helping people instead of getting rid of this is getting not revenge. A the revenge of trauma that makes any no, sense to me. Just as an aside, like you know how you get over a murder in three days because you have three cool dreams about your dad. Like I <laughs> look, I. I don't know. Like, there's some parts of this game that I'm like, this is this is there speaking is, to me on some level. There's a couple but, months of gap between Jackson and Seattle Day One. Sure, because sure. it's yeah. like You're right. winter. But I'm still and like, they have to travel, this is but, so. Yeah, no, the arc definitely <laughs> happens in those three days because it's it's all like she's having that bad nightmare. Seattle yeah. Day One, uh, bef- before or after her talk with Oh, and I forget exactly when, but like, mm-hmm. it's definitely. Over those three days and meeting Yara and Lev, like, is mm-hmm. the, the Just span changes of time. everything for her. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, we're going to have another time jump in a bit where, where clearly people yeah. haven't gotten over things. And by people, I mean Ellie. Um, so so there, there's certainly a version of reality where you never get over anything. That's so um, we have a good old-fashioned dust-up uh, between mm-hmm. our two heroes. Uh, I think, was it, Tommy, uh, like, makes a lunge and yeah. distracts Abby for a crucial second long enough for Tommy to apparently looks like he gets shot in the head. It mm-hmm. does. Um, he does. And he has a scar later in the game that sure looks like yeah. he was shot in the head. Yeah. And it's a Phineas Gage. We situation, think he's you know? dead. It just. Yeah. <laughs> but in this in this moment, we believe he's dead. Yeah. I think that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Abby tears off in pursuit of Ellie chases her into Ellie's territory backstage of this theater where she's been holed up for days. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you are being hunted by Ellie. Can I just yes. say um, the first time you walk through that backstage, I'm like, Oh, there's going to be a fight in here. Oh <laughs> yeah. This is, this is fight central right here. Wonder what's going to happen. Maybe some zombies oh. get in. Who knows? 
cool, creepy maze they've yeah. got back here. Great. Yeah, a lot of uh, cover. Really helpful. <laughs> really good for a melee fight. You can just sneak around, sneak up on Ellie and try to take her out. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's fun. It's I fun. don't think like, I enjoyed this fight uh, ideologically, but mechanically, I will say Ellie was terrifying to try to oh, like, yeah. fight. Like they did that part really well. But Distractions last like a split second on her. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So like you can't just like haha throw a brick and then have her stare stupidly at the brick for like five seconds like <laughs> yeah. everyone else does. She's like brick and then she immediately goes back on like active search and yeah. mm-hmm. like she is tough to get and the she jump would on. Fucking dodge uh uh if you throw a brick at her directly at her. I've never had one hit unless it was coming straight from like directly behind her. Like if if you throw it at her front, she's always dodging that shit. Like fucking reactions of fucking yeah yeah cat yeah or something. It, I was I was very much the mouse in that maze, uh-huh. just like mm-hmm. trying to figure out like where I could get an edge on her. It was it's a tense sequence, um, and it leads to uh kind of Abby's like she's back in moral jeopardy in some mm-hmm. ways where. Uh, she does get the upper hand on Ellie, and then Dino wakes up from uh, her nap. Mm-hmm. And she's been napping, <laughs> so pregnant, so <laughs> sleepy. Know. She's just um, so tired. She's so weak. She's so weak. <laughs> just comes in, jumps uh, Abby. That doesn't go yep. well. Uh, no. Abby wins that fight like instantly, instantly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and has the knife on Dina. Mm-hmm. And Ellie begs, like she's like, no, don't, like she's pregnant. Yes. And Abby's like, good. Right. Yeah. Because she's like a fair trade is a fair trade. For, for yeah, Mel. yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And Abby is saved by Lev, Lev, who doesn't have any dogs in this fight. Like Lev just sees, doesn't know any of the backstory. Lev just walks in and is like, what the fuck is about to happen? Yeah. And just like sort of cries out like, don't. Don't. Yeah. And I don't know, kind of worked. Like Ellie, like all yeah. of Ellie's friends, uh, all of Abby's friends rejected her in some way, except for Owen maybe and Manny. But like the things she did to Joel. I mean, and- Owen definitely did in that like he didn't want to have a real relationship with her. Right. True. Like, yeah. They tried the real relationship, but then it became just hooking up and like he yeah. was going to continue. There was never talk about him leaving Mel. Right. Yeah. Oh, like well, that, that. No, was there was though. Uncertain. Yeah. Then, Remember was just like, before. But I think that was like that sort of bullshit. Like, I want to keep this up. So I'm going to string you along type. Uh, Are you saying Owen is a fuck boy? <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. No, Ooh, this is what Ooh, I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I think Owen I is think a Owen's boy. a good boy who's confused. <laughs> um, okay, sure, I, I guess. <laughs> I think I'm more on Kato's side here. I thought Owen was all right. He seemed like a real dude. I, I mean, right. I say that about all these characters, and that's part of why you feel for them when they die, is because, again, the moment-to-moment writing and characterization is quite good, and you right. feel like these are real people, which is why the broader choices that they make are so much more frustrating to me, because they don't feel real it's like this shadow realm where like in the moments the game is great but if you actually look at what they're adding up to you feel like you live in another world and i don't (laughs) this is just another scene that's like that for me like Um, yeah sure 
Lev can be the the wise the wise child who steps in and is like, no, violence is actually wrong. I no one has said this before, but here I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's that part is definitely corny. I but I do think it's a little bit earned insofar as like the early part of Abby's adventure is kind of driving home the sense that she's alienated from a lot of her friends. Yes. Because like, again, justice or no people saw her torture a guy for like an hour and then like beat his skull in. And like, she's Mm -hmm. just not looked at the same way. Like she's lost her community of fireflies that she was a part of. And suddenly she's not of them quite as much. Like she and Manny are still cool, but like Mel kind of thinks she's a brutal monster. And a lot of other folks just have this weird discomfort of like, what did we do? Or like, did we make a mistake leaving those people Mm -hmm. alive? Because Abby and Owen just kind of bully everyone into leaving Tommy and Ellie uh, alive. And so it just, it just like, I think by this point, like the last connection Abby has is now like, okay, she once again going to, uh, you know, pull up, pull the mask off and Mm -hmm. just, like become a Alien monster. Alien love too. Yeah. yeah. Right. But she chooses and not to. She she makes the right choice here. I mean, I there's no arguing with that. It's like the obvious right choice yeah. for her to And make. the game's kind of done with her as a character with a journey in some ways mm-hmm. from here. That's not her the same. journey is complete. She's yeah. Lev's mom now. Yep. <laughs> we did it. Um, <laughs> the mom not done with Ellie, though. Play. We can never be done with Ellie. No. Uh, so we go to. <laughs> <It's a> marathon. <laughs> just still All slowly right. jogging towards the finish line with Ellie. We go to the farm. Yeah. She's been spared. Mm. P- pardon? You know, you think the game's over here and it and it ain't. It is no, not it really over. Is not. <laughs> this should we talk about Yusuf's essay? Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. So Yusuf Cole wrote this wonderful essay at uh, Bullet Points Monthly about the the farmhouse but also just sort of more largely about jackson as it's as it's presented here and just i i think i mean the the town of jackson as we see it like there's there's some exceptions like jesse for example but it's predominantly white we've sort of touched a little bit on that that dance where dina and ellie share their first kiss i feel like it's worth noting that there's like a lot of cowboy signifiers and hoedown signifiers yeah. at this dance dina's wearing cowboy boots she i think she's wearing like a plaid shirt or something like she's really embraced this certain aesthetic in this moment i haven't really yet gotten into my feelings about the fact that a man confronts them over kissing and calls it a family event but yusef gets into that in this essay and sort of the idea of uh a vision of like let everybody keep to themselves kind of conservatism of like, yeah, it's okay if you're gay here. I don't like, care don't, what don't you do be behind closed doors. This dance. Yeah. Like yeah. Don't, don't be doing that. And like, this isn't really something Yusuf gets into, but like part of why that disturbed me so much was because it's, it's, this is depicted as a safe place in theory for Ellie and Dina, but like this hints at something that's so much darker, which again, I don't feel the game seems fully willing to navigate is like the idea of somebody confronting you over a fairly benign public display of affection. Like this is decades hence from the present day. Like we're, we're far in the future, but we have to imagine 
that this this still operates according to a sort of stereotypical Midwestern form of bigotry where like the family must be a certain way and that anyone who's outside of that will be told that they need to not express any difference. Like that is, I would, if I were Ellie, I would be very upset and alienated in that moment. And the game kind of hints at that, but then it just sort of drops that ball and, and big picture zooming out. I think I have to take it as being like an interpretation of queerness that is expressed through like the way that straight people imagine a queer life is, which is like, it's mostly normal and it's a lot like the way a straight relationship would be, but every now and then somebody might be a dick to you. And like that presentation just really didn't vibe with me at all. I I felt like that. I don't know. What did you guys think about it? (laughs) What just, a thing you mentioned there about uh, what goes down at the dance, uh, yes. one of the things Yusuf calls out is the fact that, like, the opening of the game, the way that is squelched is Maria goes and makes Ellie entertain uh, Seth's apology. Yes. And, right. yeah, okay, Seth is definitely being forced to eat crow here. Yes, but that's true. Also, Maria is very much like we are putting an end to this, right? We are, we are, mm-hmm. we are putting a, we are wrapping up this this little uh, disagreement we had, and it goes back in the basement. Like we don't talk about this mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, and yeah, it it does kind of it, it like two things occur to me with that. Uh, one is that that does kind of point to the sort of soft. Um, not necessarily authoritarianism of like small town life, but like the weird hierarchies you get in those towns. And I definitely, I'll come back to this point in a, in a second. Uh, No, it relates to this next point, which is that is Abby and her uh, queerness, is she actually protected and tolerated as one of the town or is she protected as Joel's daughter? Right. Mm -hmm. Like a thing I always think about, a lot. Um, it's just like something crystallized my understanding of privilege and like queer politics in some ways. I remember years and years ago uh, when John Edwards was running for vice president, he got in a debate with with Dick Cheney. And John Edwards was the corniest motherfucker. And we later learned he's just a creep fuck boy, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he tries to pull the like, you know, uh we're just supportive and inclusive of, of all gay people. We think, uh, you know, gay relationships are as valid as anyone's. Yeah, they're like, valid. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you know, uh, you know, Vice President Cheney. We, you know, I know his his daughter. Uh, you know, Liz is, uh, you know, is a gay woman. And mm-hmm. Cheney had this really icy reaction. Like, gave no ground. Like, didn't even entertain. Like, like that this was even something that he cared about or like would even entertain the notion that like tolerance from John Edwards was something he needed or cared about. But the thing that was revealing about it to me is a Cheney can do whatever a Cheney wants, right? Like the rules have never been really for rich and powerful and connected people. And that is in the weird world of Jackson, kind of what Ellie is. Ellie is, the adopted daughter of like one of the that towns, leader. Yeah, yeah, top leaders. Um, Maria likes Ellie a lot. She's clearly also one of the like matriarchs of the town. Like, mm-hmm. is 
queerness tolerated in Jackson or is Ellie tolerated because of who she sits with? And it's like, yeah. And is this really the first time that a queer couple has engaged in a public display of twenty years? In this town? Yeah. Like that to me was really bizarre. Was that I was like, people aren't kissing. People are they holding hands? Like what the fuck? Like that is a vision of the future that is actually quite grim to me. And I, divergent from when the world ends in 2013 and their right. in their alternate timeline, where it's like this already would have been kind of like but, retrograde. But we have to believe that the world is going <clears throat> to get more conservative, more fascist, more like able for a cult to rise that believes in like extreme gender essentialist viewpoints, like the idea of like child brides and like that, like all of these like, concepts are supposed to horrify us. And, and I think, I think this scene at the dance is, was probably not supposed to make me feel as alienated as it did. Honestly, I, it, it was definitely something about the first three hours of the game that I was like, this is very odd, especially because it's juxtaposed with the idea of violence and when, and if it's justified, which is another thing <clears throat> that I've circled back to many times on this show, because it's something that I feel is very inconsistent in the game and is one of its principal failings because in this moment, I believe this is the moment when Joel realizes Ellie is gay, by the way. It is yeah. not clear when Ellie comes out to Joel. If it's when ever. he knows beyond doubt. Yes. Right. And that in and of itself is like a sign to me that their relationship is not good, which is another reason why I wish the game had been willing to navigate the fact that maybe Ellie would have mixed feelings about Joel's death as opposed to just the blind rage thing. But anyway, Joel reacts with violence as Joel does. He punches this man for calling his, his surrogate daughter and her, her new hot GF a dyke. He calls them both dykes essentially. Um, and then Ellie gets angry at Joel for defending her. And the first time I heard about this scene, I was real confused by it because I was like, well, why wouldn't, Ellie have been the one to punch the guy. I would have been really mad, first of all. And then also, like, why would she be mad that her family is standing up for her? Wouldn't that be good? But then, of course, we learn significantly later in the game, like 23 hours in, that the reason she gets mad at Joel in this moment has absolutely nothing to do with politics at all. It's not about identity. It's not about any of these larger structural issues that are clearly happening in Jackson. It's just a personal disagreement between her and Joel. And it's not about this guy. This guy is a prop and he's there to just be like a baddie, just like an yeah. inarguable yeah. baddie. And like that cheapens it so much to me because I'm like, oh, so like the the baddie that you came up with to like insert a conflict between Ellie and Joel that like underscores their tension is a guy who walks in and calls Ellie and her girlfriend Dykes. Like that's... Like, do you not realize how serious that is? <laughs> like, how fucked up that would be if this type of behavior were tolerated in the society and, like, what it says about the society, which I think is something that Yusef gets at in this essay, which is, like, mainly about all of the conservative signifiers that are present in Jackson. And it's whether it's intentional or not, like, maybe you just collect these signifiers and, and they, they may have meant something to the design team that signaled safety, but, like, in in the larger world, <laughs> this vision of like cowboys and like crafting a frontier out in this wacky world, like has some pretty horrifying other connotations associated with like frontier expansion and the yeah. murdering of indigenous people and like the othering of 
both indigenous people and also like the concept of the wilderness and like equating those things and to put a place like Jackson with all of those frontier signifiers into a zombie apocalypse game where the outsiders are brainless zombies is it's a disturbing message. It is a disturbing image to convey. There's a line here in Yusuf's piece. There's, there's a lot of good ones. Um, mm-hmm. There's a line here. Cowboys are finally back and their endless arsenals with them. The premise that supports both prepper fantasies and suburban paranoia is the same. Protect your own, enforce your borders, shoot first and check the bodies later. It's what mm-hmm. drives our protagonists to do the violence they do. And it sits quietly in the background of even the game's most peaceful scenes and its most communal spaces. And I think this has been like, I think these signifiers have been there from the start. Like one of the things that always struck me in The Last of Us 1. So The Last of Us 1 opens in Joel's house that he has with his daughter, uh, Sarah. Yes. Yeah, I think and, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's your your typical suburban family home, like a, a den with a TV, nice kitchen, mm-hmm. a dining room. Uh, it's like, you know, two, three bedrooms. It's a nice suburban home. Yeah. The rest of the game, as they wander through the world, Joel is repeatedly going through the ruins of what was once his life. Like every place they go, it's frequently the suburbs and he goes through the ruined remnants of homes very similar to his own. And you remember 2013, like this is the wake of the financial crash and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I always read that game as in large measure being about this anxiety of what is happening to this specific way of life. What has happened to us, right? Like where did it like, what we wanted seemed pretty modest. Why is this being taken away? Why does it all feel precarious? Like it might yeah, just Yeah, like we'll never crumble. have a suburban home, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And I was sympathetic to it in, in some ways because I understood like in the years that they would have been making this game, a lot of people had, had fears around this, but it yeah. did have a really specific interpretation of like what this character is confronting what what is tragic to us is this vision of suburban tract housing uh you know abandoned and the families being gone and there wasn't a lot of room for like what would that sort of stability and security look like in an urban setting right like what is it's we again and again we return to these visions of suburban america specifically like the type of life joel lived Blast of Us Part 2 is like, oh, they're happy in Jackson and later at the farm because they have all of that. Like, they don't reinterpret what happiness could be. One of the things that jumped out at me is when you, after Joel is buried and you're going through his home one last time, I couldn't help but think, like, this has all worked out pretty well for Joel. Like, Hothouse is huge. Huge. He's got huge... My dude is got a meat grinder on his counter uh, for like six just, bedrooms. It's like freaking absurd. His guitar room, his workshop, his master bedroom. Two like bathrooms. who is living there besides Joel? It's just Joel, it's right? Just Joel. Like yeah. he's alone, <laughs> rattling around in this freaking six bedroom, like sprawling house. Yeah. I can't. Right. But yeah, I'm sitting there and I'm like, so Joel actually got everything he wanted, right? Like, by the end of the game, he's got, well, sort of. Um, he had, for a number of years, this relationship with Ellie, so he had a, he had a daughter. He was a mm-hmm. big man in town. He had a gorgeous home. Yep. Like, Joel, like, lived like a king in this world. And to an extent, yes. 
I couldn't shake the sense of like we I think we were supposed to see this as like, oh man, just look at all these things, look at this beautiful little home. But it's not a little home, it's huge, and it is a world of want and terror. Yeah. And he has kind of a mansion in the only safe electrified city that we know of. Uh-huh. Um and here at the farm, somehow Abby and uh, Ellie and Dina have fenced off like a river valley to themselves yeah. almost. Yeah. And they um, have like sheep and chickens and like they are self-sustaining. Like they have, I think they're growing grain. I, like it's like amber waves of grain. Is yeah. What we're looking at it's here. so Americana. It's so yes. much. It's that and, Wyeth like, painting. It's Christina's world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Andrew it's, <laughs> It is idyllic. I couldn't see. Yeah, I couldn't. Andrew Wyeth. I don't know Andrew Wyeth as well. It is. I think you've seen this painting. It is intended to feel comforting and safe because they are going to rip that away from you. But if you're already initially unnerved by this house, then it it obviously doesn't work as well. But anyway, we as we all remember, uh, Ellie and Dina. Dina's had the baby by this point. We're we're ahead. At least a couple years. I don't. I don't know how old JJ is supposed to be exactly, but he's a pretty young baby. Yeah. Um, clearly, he has been named after Jesse and Joel. There's a letter uh. lying around from Jesse's parents saying they just forgive all of it and they totally understand. Which was a button on a story that I also was like, I don't know, but okay, sure. <laughs> By the way, there's a, there's a, a little aside about like. Jesse's parents, also very important people in the community. Like, it's weird. Like, this is like a John Hughes movie where, like, every one of these kids is, like, quietly connected to somebody big in these the These are the princes and princesses of Jackson, Wyoming, yeah. out on a revenge quest that may be selfish, but. <laughs> but who's who, going to tell them not to? Like, who's yeah, they gonna do tell, the who's fuck gonna they stop want. them? No one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how, like, even little questions like, boy, that's a lot of high security fencing that, like, would be expensive in this mm-hmm. world. Like, that is a lot of steel and, like, uh, pilings for those for those fences. Somebody dragged that shit out there uh, to, to let them do this. And, yeah, it just is so, like, again, this is this is literally homesteading. This is mm-hmm. they are a fortified, self-sustaining frontier farm. And. You know, everything the light touches is theirs. And yeah. what light it is, it is just, again, like I'm looking at Christina's world. This is restrained, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, it is <laughs> right. so, yeah. it is yeah. like, it, like, it is sunset, but it's like sunset that's so overdone. It's like there's a nuclear attack happening in the background <laughs> of the entire scene. <laughs> but and it's gorgeous. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a very soupy sunset. You know, a a lot of people have asked me, would you like the game more if it ended at the farmhouse? Because I think people assume that because I'm dissatisfied with this game, I like I want all queer stories to be happy or something, which is extremely not my take. Like I'm down for a story where Ellie's the villain and where Dina gets the heck out of there, which is basically what we're about to see. I'm down for it if it's a story that feels like it speaks to Ellie's characterization before this game and even during this game, which I don't think it does. And and also I, I wouldn't be happy if the game ended here because I would still have all the same problems that I do before with the game's overall pacing and structure, which it, what if it's not just about to make them all resolved. worse? What if we took all those problems 
uh-huh. and took a big old can of gasoline and, like and just put them in like two hours. Yep. And then made you do that right at the end. Yeah. So after a happy tour of the idyllic farm and herding the sheep in, sheep and are just very a cute. couple of panic attacks from Ellie, just as a yeah. little reminder that she's not well still, and people don't have therapists in this world, and we've murdered every medical professional we've ever met. So that's where we're at. Somebody once uh, tried to talk to Joel about his feelings, but you shot. But them. he killed them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so Ellie has this, like, PTSD, uh, like, cinematic flashback of, like, the world dissolves. She is in the moment of watching Joel die again. It's a vision she's had throughout the game. And she, like, kind of, like, goes into this panic attack while she's with J.J., and mm-hmm. there's kind of the shame of, like, did I just endanger this child? Yeah. Dina, like, quickly takes the child away and is like, hey, this is fine. Like, we're going to get through this. It's okay. You're safe. Uh, but it kind of breaks the moment. We have the flashback to the night of the dance as, uh, oh, on another day, Tommy shows up. He's alive. And he's like, I found where I found where Abby is. Yeah. And the reveal is he- that Tommy is alive and he has not gotten over anything he has become just a shell of his former self he he is not over it to the nth degree and he's like hey maria's left him we just gotta we gotta get out there murdering again i i just have the hunger but he's like i can't i can't like i can't murder because i'm fucked up with my injury yeah Um, like uh but my head's all messed up because of getting shot in the head but but you 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 can go murder yeah. You can still um, murder, and you better do it for me, or else you're a bad daughter, surrogate daughter. Again, like, damn, dude. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I guess I never really had a great feel for Tommy's character. Like, Tommy was going on a revenge quest because, like, they killed his brother pretty brutally. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. He felt kind of obligated. I didn't fully buy it because the game opens with Joel telling Tommy this story about a horrific thing he did, and Tommy kind of being like, Ooh. "Well, that Ooh. sucks." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't say rough. I would have done any different, but he yes. couldn't say I would have done the same. Yes, uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, and then he's also the first guy to be like, hey, I think we need to call this off. Like, right, let's, right, let's which kind of gives you the base. vibe of of Tommy being the guy who's, like, willing to call it quits on stuff. But yeah. no, nope, now. He does make reference to we'll come back eventually when they're, like, Dina oh, needs he? to go back. That's, yes. When, okay. when they're, like, Dina needs to go back. If Dina wasn't there, Tommy would have tried to go through with it, right? Okay. The whole point yeah, is that. Maybe he would have. Yeah, I don't know. I like, I mean, I found it all absurd by this point, so. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. just me like, though. It, it is a weird arc because at the at the beginning he does tell try to tell Ellie to stay. Yes. Right. He but tries then to he's tell the it. one who leaves. So right. there's that. And so like he's the one he's like, I'll do it. You don't need to do this. I'll I can take care of it. And it's only mm-hmm. the fact that Ellie comes after him is the reason that he doesn't finish the job, quote unquote. Like Right. Or that that Dina is pregnant, which right, means right. that no one is allowed to do anything anymore, including Dina. But in this moment, Tommy is kind of passing the buck, I suppose, by being like, Now I'm the one who can't who can't, who do can't it. Go, so, yeah. you, so you you have, have to finish to. the job. And Dina's like, get that shit out of here. Yeah. And which also, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> she is. Also though, she's falling into a bit of a cliche here where she has become the honest, like tough wife who holds this family together. 
Yeah. And she protects him from outside. She's like, don't you come and tell, like, the war is over for Ellie. Don't you come yeah. here and try to, you know, dredge this shit up again. You get out of here. Um, Ellie tries to sit with this, but during the night, she thinks back to the night of the dance. Um, thinks back to that fight she had with Joel. Wakes up in the middle of the night. Starts sort of rattling around the house among her things and like kind of makes the choice either that night or in the wake of uh, the conversation with Tommy, like makes the decision to leave um, Mm -hmm. before dawn. Dina catches her and is like, come back to bed. And they get into it. I kind of felt like I've seen the scene so often in like Westerns where like, yeah. The wife is just saying, like, hey, put this behind. Like, come back. Like, choose the family. Choose the future. Choose peace. And the warrior in the family, traditionally, like, the the masculine role, but here it's played, you know, played by Ellie, is mm-hmm. like, I can't let this go. I've got I've to see this through. And it was kind of disappointing for me to see Ellie uh, and Dina reduced to that level of stereotypes. Because here's yeah. something I thought was interesting. At the start of this game, I thought Ellie's got to be the biggest badass in this town. Like nobody's seen anyone like Ellie. She's been like cutting throats since she was like a teenager. She was taught yeah. by Joel. She's got to be just like a terror compared to these kids. And then Dina is a badass. Actually, yeah, yeah, she's like, oh, I killed my first person at age ten. Yeah, and there's clearly an entire like horrific story arc between like losing her sister and being on the run. Her sister mm-hmm. had some like. Uh, also like disturbances, either psychological or like, uh, well, clearly psychological, but like, um, possibly like a trauma response or, uh, like some sort of disorder. Not sure, but Dina's both dealt with an unwell family member and like knows what it's like to be like fighting for your life and mm-hmm. like living a life of violence for much of your life. And again, you kind of think, well, if anyone's going to be able to relate to Ellie and understand and talk through this and force some of this out into the open to be discussed, not alluded to, but discussed, it would be Dina. But instead, we kind of get this like, you know, five minutes to midnight conversation between them where Ellie's just like, I can't I can't live like this. I got to go kill Abby. And Dina's response is, hey, it's hard for me to deal with this. This sucks for me too. You're being selfish. If you leave, we're, I'm not doing this again. I won't be here if 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 you go off and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a nuclear option, and it was just this game has this game makes a lot of room for a lot of like extended sequences, and the collapse of their relationship felt a little rushed, and it didn't feel like. We saw their relationship evolve a bit at the start of the game as they become a couple. Here as it unravels, I don't feel like it's built out very much. It's not. I mean, there's so much left on the table in that time jump that I I think, again, is like it's there for the the player to fill in, which you can fill it in with all the nuance that you want to fill it in with. I whereas I feel like this is a these are characters who I mean, a lot of the a lot of the character building between them happens off screen, and we just have to imagine it. Like, for example, they were best friends for years before they fell in love, which, in and of itself, is a very 
compelling story and like a, a cool romance that I can relate to in my own life. So I really liked that they did that because I was like, yeah, that's that's cool. Like sometimes people do that. But I don't then then what happens in this this year and a half in between? Like maybe maybe Dean is constantly dealing with Ellie having these panic attacks and like never being able to move on. But like she seems like somebody who'd be more sympathetic to that or at least like willing to work with a partner on it. And also they're both so young and they have a baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're like 20 here, 21 maybe. And like, that's still super young. So like you can still work through some stuff, but yeah, it's very sudden. And I guess it doesn't, it doesn't really have to be. I mean, I I was kind of hoping for more of a real breakup between them or at least like a moment where Dina stands up for the relationship or Ellie does or like one or the other of them actually expresses what they feel they're losing because since we don't know we're just meant to assume that it was good but like the only evidence we have that it was good is like the five minutes before of them dancing together in the kitchen which looks pretty fun so we're like okay so I guess the relationship was sunshine and roses and sunsets and amber waves of grain up until Tommy showed up or has it just been a real rocky path the whole time? In which case maybe we're sympathetic to Dina here and we're like, of course she's fed up. Ellie's just been a piece of shit this whole time. But if Ellie's just been a piece of shit the whole time, then I'm just like, cool. I have played an entire game about a selfish person who is also very laconic, very hard to read and I have to bring all of my own emotions to the table and put them onto her in order to imagine that she's a person. Like, that's really rough. Like, you gotta give me something here. And they just do not. Yeah. I, like, it is such a... When when Ellie's just like, I can't sleep, I can't live like this, I, it mm-hmm. does kind of have this, okay, but, like, what do we try? It's like she's a video game character. Like yeah. she just right. she's it's as though she's like drawn by some unseen force in order to continue video game Look, charactering. The only solution the I can think of to this problem is to go kill Abby. Uh like that worked well before, so I will go back on this quest. It's like this is this is this is dumb. This is like mm-hmm. it's not it's not compelling because like without that enunciation of like here are my motivations. Here is why even long after the pain of that initial grief has faded, here's what is driving me past the point of any reason. And this is the moment, like this is the moment to say it. Like, look beyond even like the trauma of seeing Joel die. Here is what it is about me that forces me to do this. Or here, here's what it is about like where things were at Joel or what exactly like Abby, which is what exactly like, do you think there is an answer to what? Wait, to, like, sorry, why Why froze. do you think that Ellie decides to go kill Abby at the end? Like, does she really think it's going to make her feel better if she kills Abby? I guess I don't oh, buy absolutely. that either. Like, why would she think that? Because nothing else has. Well, because so, she didn't, she she thought it would in the first place, but she didn't get to. Abby got away right, and she keeps right. having the, tra- the like trauma, the traumatic flashbacks, right? Like, but she a lot thinks of time that has gone by. That's like magical thinking to be like, if I just kill this other person, right. I won't have trauma anymore. And like, right. I feel like within the immediate aftermath of Joel's death, I can understand having that sentiment, maybe for the first like couple hours. Maybe through but all the of Seattle. The more time goes on, the more times you think to yourself, wow, maybe the problem is me. Or maybe, like, especially if you're an insecure person <sighs> like Ellie, like, I, I just feel like we should have these moments where she's, 
sort of questioning this and and being like, maybe this isn't going to work. <laughs> like, I do maybe... wonder. There, there is a certain. I and like this is probably me reading more into it than is actually there, but like there is a you certain should. sense <laughs> do <it>. that <laughs> do it. There is a certain sense that to me that Ellie never developed any sort of introspection because Joel never had that. Like Joel doesn't actually feel guilty about what he did to save Ellie. He only mm-hmm. knows that it's bad because when he because he understands like what other people expect, but it's not like there's actual guilt there. And I feel like that was passed on to Ellie in the way that she deals with trauma. She's like she doesn't she she's not that introspective as, of a character it feels like. And so this idea this this like and yeah, like there is it's just like I don't know. Maybe I know some like I've known some hard-headed people that will hold on to a grudge, right? Yeah. And you no, pair that grudge right. with you pair that grudge with like the PTSD flashbacks and an, a misunderstanding of what trauma really is because no one is there to there are no therapists, right? Like she's just living out with her girlfriend and her girlfriend's trying to calm her down when the events happen, but they're not actually working towards any sort of meaningful coping mechanisms, right? Mm-hmm. And so I I that's the only like tinge of like I understand I could understand her her insistence on going down this path my issue comes from Dina's reaction in this moment of not saying like let's talk it out yeah, yeah. right like Dina yeah. being the one that doesn't say like Dina being the one that gives the ultimatum here yeah. was the one that was just like what the fuck like of the two of you you are the more more well-adjusted person that I I like character wise would believe would be the one willing to talk through things that like you're already yeah. helping her on a daily basis. Probably not daily. Who knows how often the PD, we don't know how often her flashes are happening, but it's obviously something that has happened that she's helped her through this time. Um, but for some reason, Dina's like, this is the last straw. If you leave instead right. of being like, let's talk about why you're leaving. Right? And, and it's like, like, what led up to this? We yeah. are, we are left only to right. imagine we don't know. what led up to this. And, and if Ellie for as much that... talking as there is in this game, it feels like they focus on the wrong parts of it. I like know. the, for as much like as you get, like walk and talks with other characters, some of so those things feel like talks. less yeah. important and more like background characterization where like this plot point could have used way more time. <laughs> Naughty Dog mm-hmm. characters can banter all day, but when it comes to actually talking about, like, the real shit, they just uh-huh. suddenly, they just clam up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, if I could buy that Ellie, like, I could buy that this story is saying Ellie isn't an introspective person. She doesn't know mm-hmm. herself. She has no way of coping with what she's dealing with. But then again, I would hope that at this point in the story, then Dina would be the one to call that out and explain, yeah. like, okay, here's what I am saying. It is... This isn't about Abby anymore. It's about you. It's about who you are and how you process emotions and right. like what you open the door for. You expect that then to like establish, okay, here is how the people who love Ellie now perceive her. And that tells right. me like, okay, here is what has been driving her. The game, once again, kind of st- like steps away from characterizing her. And I think it's because the game thinks it has one last reveal in its pocket that will like, like somehow the riddle of Ellie's motivations is like some sort of sort of really real narrative hook, but actually it just keeps getting more mysterious and the reveal they've got in their back pocket sucks. Um, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a terrible from an explanatory standpoint. I'm curious so, about this because I actually came away a little more positive, I think than you like overall still think the game was not 
really worth it. But I still think this last <laughs> reveal kind of actually solidified a few things for me. So I'm interested in in your take on this, Rob. I did yeah, not read your piece before this have, because I yeah, wanted to so hear it from more, you. <laughs> we have so many more uh, fight scenes to go, folks. Well, sort of. So yeah. Uh, okay. We cut to Santa Barbara real quick. Hey, what are Abby and Love up to? Abby's trying to get back with the fireflies. Um, mm-hmm. She's like... It's it's very Joel and Ellie, the first, the last of yeah. us. Yeah. Although it's also like... It means Owen was right that we stopped looking for the light. That's what Abby like. Abby's like, fuck, man. Seattle is burning behind me. You know what I need to do? I need to join a militia. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Like, you know, like that's that's actually the part of it that sort of makes your theory about the game, Rob, not work as well, because it turns out that joining a militia and believing in something is good if it's the fireflies, which are now not the morally gray faction that they were in the first game now they're cool and good but only because, because they, we like they haven't seen much of them into anymore. possibly having a cure and like i think it's because it. they're not they're not as actively militant as either the seraphites or the wolves right but and that doesn't mean for now. much in this world like, and they like honestly. have cool ham radios and like trucker names and stuff so like now they're just like a fun cool cool boy scout club or something like they're not the fireflies you remember is they're like yeah. a fun family yeah yeah maybe it's just gonna be uh, like a, a cool hobby like look we just play with ham radios <laughs> honestly we just kind of yeah. like we, we just are all really intimidating they're the new libs right like they're they're <laughs> they're as far left as you think you can get in this world <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, i guess so uh, that being so. said i did kind of like the like Oh, they might have a chance of finding a community again. Uh, it, yeah. Like Abby's happiness at like hearing that voice did hit me. I was like, "Oh, that is good." Yeah, like they're me too. they're getting the fuck out. Oh wait, they get ambushed by uh, Emmanuel. Thinks they're a biker gang. I think they might be like ex law enforcement or descendants of law enforcement because a lot of these dudes are wearing like police shit i don't know it's mm. tough to tell they're all wear, they're all kitted out in tactical nonsense some of them have yes. biker jackets with the snake in okay. insignia on them so okay yeah. so it's like the serpent it might be a little Southside bit of serpent a little bit of column a little bit of column b honestly like they're just kind of a hodgepodge of bad guy stuff yeah. including leather and also uh-huh. so these guys kidnap humans mm-hmm. and for reasons does does anyone know why so it appears. Okay, there's definitely some slavery happening. It sounds yep. like they put some of these folks some trafficking to work. for sure. Oh yeah, but they also <laughs> seem to dig fighting pits. Yeah, for like, zombies though, like zombie fighting pits. Well, and then but are they I think maybe, they also put people in them too, though. Or they, maybe yeah, maybe put people in with they also they're making those zombies. Yeah, I, yeah. Maybe. There's oh, an implication sure. that they're getting turned. They they turn people like once the zombies kill each other. Like one of the one of the people in in the compound says like, "Fuck the hobby to have to fight these things like have these things fight," and then like they they refer to one of the zombies by name like they knew right. who that person was before they turned. So like I what I took from that was definitely like after they have the zombie fights and like one of the zombies dies, they make a new zombie from a prisoner. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, is why someone like the one of the first people that Ellie like sees that's escaping from this compound like commit suicide because he doesn't yeah. want to go back and be turned right yeah. yeah which is grim i mean this is like a very lord of the Fra- flies view of humanity at this point like yeah. it's like any group of humans you run into 
you may as well be running into a group of zombies in terms of the level of monstrosity that's going to be depicted. Like this is, this is the world. Every collection of humans who manages to get together, if they run into other humans, they're not going to think to themselves, great, more people who can help us out with our cool commune and like help (laughs) us grow crops. No, no, no. They're going to be trying to kill you or like train you to die for their pleasure. And it's, it's, Again, the game was funny to me at this point, which these, it was absolutely not supposed to be. These people <laughs> suck so incredibly much that yes. it does feel so. Okay. Uh, Abby's been taken by them. Ellie tracks them out to Santa Barbara, encounters yeah. the same dudes who like captured Abby. Yeah. Um, get, falls in their same trap. Love them. Love I do like how she outsmarted them, though, where she yeah. would like backs one of them into the, one of the zombies in the trap and she doesn't give a shit. She's immune. The other dude yeah. gets bitten in the commotion. He gets like shot by his buddy and then she mm-hmm. murders the buddy after interrogating. I mean, it's I a like, fun Fuck scene, these even though I was exhausted yeah. by this point. <laughs> yeah, but like it, it so is like to me, one of the tells is they give you a silenced like MP5 machine gun. So that now you don't even have to choose between just like <laughs> blazing away and making right. noise. Now you can just like like kill everybody in your path and yeah. not break stealth. Go for it. Like have at this it. And these people still, are awful. Still made it through. Yeah. I was just about to ask you, Kyle, you probably didn't kill anybody. Right? I did not shoot that gun once because there are no zombies. I mean, there are zombies in that section, but there's no you don't go through an extended zombie section with the gun. You yeah, have the extended zombie section before you pick up. Yeah. Yeah. The zombies are like not even a threat in that area. Yeah. Uh, I went through that place like a threshing machine. Yeah. Like, yeah sure. I, I killed just, everybody. Totally. Yeah. It was complete <laughs> wipeout. Like, uh, like, oh, I think I hear not, a voice yeah. over there. Yeah. You're turning zombie. You're turning people into zombies. Nah, fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was Those, I was setting zombies loose and being survived. like, let's see yeah. what happens here. Yeah. <laughs> fuck vibes is the uh, theme of this place. Uh. So after tearing through all these people, Ellie gets really fucking wounded uh, right at the the start in the ambush. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Not that it matters, Um, but she has a bite mark. She. So she's been like quietly, like progressively bleeding out through all of this. She Mm -hmm. finds where the prisoners are. Now she's in really rough shape. We have sort of a Metal Gear solid type like Stumble, staggering, bleeding through the long slog to the pillars where Abby lets, has been. She arms and lets go of some prisoners real quick. Just does a quick. Uh, yeah, she does like a, <laughs> she does. She does free all the prisoners who who see her arm and they're like, oh, she's going to turn into a zombie. And she's like, I just want to know where Abby is. And they tell her I couldn't tell from this whether they thought she was trying to find Abby for a good reason or a bad reason. And I was like, would I tell someone in this situation didn't where seem like Abby was? Yeah, it really didn't seem like they cared. They were just like, she's probably I mean, already dead. She was bit. Yeah. If somebody yeah. lets you out of the torture dungeon, like, and they ask me for information, I'm probably giving them information. Like, oh, yeah. If yeah, they're like, here, out. have guns, and <laughs> yeah. you're free now, I'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I saw Abby out there go for it like she's on seen, the she's she's uh hanging on the cross down by the beach yeah. go, go she's check on the her pillars out. we have a cool name for them pillars you'll, you'll yeah. know what you'll know them the when pillars. you see them uh so it was st- funny because i ran right past abby and didn't understand where i was supposed to go <laughs> for this section at first well you're supposed anyway. to stare at a lot of dead bodies on these pillars looking and there's for like the, a little spotlight on abby that i just didn't notice the first time around 
Um, I didn't either. I, I walked past her and found some other people that looked like Abby, and yeah. they weren't. Uh, and then, <laughs> then I saw the better character model, and I was like, that's right. Abby. Oh, that's Abby. Um, yeah. Still got those, you know, I honestly knew I wasn't going to be able to tell, so I just started tapping triangle, walking near everyone until one of them triggered. <laughs> it's funny that you guys also couldn't tell. I felt so stupid in that moment. <laughs> she looks like, different. Really like, she looks, she, she the obviously has... Off. Yeah, they cut her hair off, and also she she's like she's been apparently she's been out there for like weeks and hasn't been fed. Or Died? Anything. Like, yeah, she's she's fine, I guess. She's like she's all her like her model is thinner. Like she's yeah. lost mass. Uh, but she's she still, which is the only the reason three months or whatever that Ellie's mm-hmm. gonna do okay in this fight because like she's dealing with it. Right. Well, they're both but, completely destroyed hey, physically God, Wait, at this point. Why is yeah. there a fight? This yeah. is so at this point, like this is where I go careening off the like, fuck this game. Like, what is <laughs> what is the point of this? What is being like? What is the point being made here that wasn't made ad Already? nauseum before? Yeah, Abby get, like Abby gets cut down. She frees Lev. She's like boats are over there. She sees Ellie's fucked up. Like she's she's done. She doesn't even. I, I like this. She has like zero reaction. Like she is so mm-hmm. fried at this point I liked that it's it just too. like yeah. yeah. Yep, here's like, another thing that... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even care. But... They get they, Lev down, and, and then when... At, at some point, Ellie threatens Lev in order to go... They both got their boats. And, Abby into fighting. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, we're not fit. Like, she's about to get in her boat. She puts her shit in her boat. Mm-hmm. Abby's getting ready to shove off, and Ellie turns around and is like, we have to finish this. Yeah. And Abby's just like, What? No. Like, are Which, you fucking yes, kidding me? Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, first of all, spared you once, kicked your ass, spared you again. Like, it's a video game, Rob. You need a boss fight. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we already did this fight, but we were playing as Abby. So now we have to do it as Ellie because cause parallels. I liked this mm-hmm. fight better when it was in Death it's Stranding. It's like poetry. Uh, and it's like it turns into Rock'em Sock'em Robots between, uh, yes. yeah, that shit's good. That was a good, yeah. like, beachside rumble. This is like, good. Ellie holds a knife on Lev, so in case, like, there was any doubt that she's just, like, completely debased herself, like, now she's yeah. threatening to cut a kid's throat to make this fight mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And so the Abby's fight happens. like, okay, <laughs> like, dragging and, herself out of the boat again. It's awful. I can't stress enough how good the sound is in this game and how uh-huh. much that worked against me at the end of this game where it is like, this is like 10 minutes of mm-hmm. two women that you've played as through much of the game. They're your, your main characters. You, you sympathize yep. with them. It is like 10 minutes of hearing these characters brutally beat the shit out of each other. And just yeah. like, it is appalling. My partner was like, you know, another part of the apartment. And eventually she was like, what the fuck is going on? Because it is like, it's, it's like, Oh, I'm just watching snuff over here. That's, that's yeah, what I'm up to. Like, me. Just a video game, hon. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really awful to go through. And I'm, and clearly that is intended. Clearly it's meant it's to feel intended. bad. Did you feel bad, Rob? Did you feel really bad? I did. I did. But also kind of Did like, you not want Ellie to kill Abby? Oh, I bet you I wanted to put the controller down, down again. Yeah. I was like, don't, don't you do it. 
And yeah, but you had you, to to get to the end of the game. Yeah. You had did to you do stop it. at the strike? Yeah. <laughs> she gets back. Abby gets back. Yes. Up. Yes. After <laughs> long enough, she has to, to do it again. again. Yeah. So you uh, gotta give her that. She puts her hand up. She's begging you not to do it, and I'm like, "Cool, I win. Let's go." And it's like, no, like gotta, no, gotta, you gotta get it. Break her face. Yeah. Um, in the fight, she bites off uh, Ellie's uh, two fingers. I think on Ellie's mm-hmm. hand, ring and pinky. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, and then Ellie sort of reverses the hole and just starts drowning her. Um, yeah. And. Has has this fight in the bag. She's won, and then she gets as as she's drowning. Abby and Abby's struggles are starting to uh, fade. Ellie gets the vision of Joel on his porch back in Jackson, looking at her and smiling. Mm-hmm. Similar playing, to playing guitar, yeah. Similar to the vision Abby got of her father right. when she was able. Well, it's the start. only way you can move on. Yeah, you you gotta have a moment where your dad smiles at you you gotta have the force ghost of your dad (laughs) like just beam at you and abby uh ellie stops drowning abby and starts weeping in the shallows and just tells abby like go just go Mm -hmm. and abby leaves and that's the last we see of her and ellie's alone crying in the in the water Mm -hmm. she goes back to the farm walks up to the farm it's clearly dilapidated wait we have a we have a a yeah, back, we have a little cutscene, a flashback, a Joel here, and Ellie, where you learn scene. what happened, what she was it's, thinking of. It's at the farm. Is it? Yeah. What? It's. I thought the flashback happened before she goes back. She. It happens when she sits with a guitar. Oh uh, no, you're right. You're right. You're so right. she right. walks back up the hill to the farm, and you can tell it's dilapidated, and that did oh, kind yeah. of hit me, where it's like, oh fuck, like the yeah, sidings I mean, you know, all Dina got up. the fuck out of there. Nobody's Honestly, cleaning those gutters. I was like, good. It, Good. Yeah. I shouted at my TV. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Like Dina, like good for you. Like yeah, you know, get out. There was get out of there, girl. <laughs> nothing good there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very proud of her to like have that self respect and be like, I deserve mm-hmm. better. You do yeah. deserve better, Dina. You're uh, a cool person. <laughs> so <laughs> Ellie, <young. laughs> Ellie goes to the house. It's all empty except for her shit. Like Dina's left yep. all her shit. Classic, classic breakup move. You leave only the other person's <laughs> shit behind. <laughs> And she finds her guitar and just quick thing. I think it was a smart decision. I like it. It's, it's sort of needlessly uh, Baroque to create this guitar playing interface in this game. But at the same time for the character that the guitar music is in this series, I think giving it that due of like making the guitar a like interactive, like character in the game was mm-hmm. a smart decision. And it sets up yeah. this moment where you get the chord cues and she can't play because she has this mutilated hand and she can't do the motions that she used to. And yep. so she plays like the broken opening of her song uh, that she has. If I Joel. ever lose you, I'd surely lose myself. But she's now truly lost herself. That's right. And then, she lost Joel and she lost herself. Wham. Flashback. The night of the dance. Mm-hmm. she goes to Joel after the whole blow up at the dance. Yeah. She he goes punched to a guy. House. Yeah. And they kind of start making things right. Yeah, like they do. I think like, here's, here's my interpretation. Kato, you're asking like, why does this fuck everything up for me? Here's what mm-hmm. I say in this scene. Um, 
after the blow up of the dance, Ellie goes to Joel's house and realizes this this can't go on like this. Um, and she explains it to Joel that she's never going to be okay with what he did. He is like what he did was unforgivable and she never wanted she wanted to save the world you know she wanted this this immunity she had yeah she wanted to save people she feels that every person who dies of infection at this point on some level might morally be on her Mm -hmm. um and that is the thing that joel has also inflicted on her it's like survivor's guilt you know, to the nth degree of like everyone who dies of the sickness in this world. And there's a lot of them. Could Ellie have saved them by dying? Joel has inflicted that on Ellie. She makes that clear and that he didn't have the right to do that. Joel basically says, I couldn't have made a different decision. I wouldn't make a different decision. If we were back at that moment, I would do it all over again. And <clears throat> I think that's honest. Like the this is like this is the this is the gulf between them. Like Joel mm-hmm. puts that sort of personal connection above everything else. Like family is above all. He puts Ellie above everything. Ellie doesn't like Ellie is a bit more in this of a, moment, we live, she doesn't at least. Yes. Yeah. Ellie's a bit more of a, we live in a society uh, type <laughs> type character, but she also recognizes she does care about Joel. She loves Joel and like he fucked up in a way that like a overprotective father would who had the capacity mm-hmm. for limitless violence. And that's what he did. But she says like, I don't know if I can forgive you, but I would like to try. And Joel is spared the pain. He's like stricken in the scene. It's a really beautiful scene where like he's stricken with this. He's like, I would, I would like that. Like just the whole, like the fact that they will try to work past this and try to get the relationship back to a good place. And then of course the next day we know that Joel dies. Right. But here's my thing. From the start of the game, we knew that things ended on an awkward night, an awkward note with Joel and Ellie. Like we knew that from the start. People were saying last night you had this huge blow up. So yeah. it's always been <clears throat> kind of implicit that there was something in the relationship unresolved from Salt Lake City. Right. The game has now told us exactly how that was resolved. Ellie found out everything. But then we also probably figured, okay, well, she was furious at him after that revelation. And it's in his death that she realizes that, like, I made that guy feel like shit. I rejected him and couldn't tell him any of the good things I felt about him, which were real. And she realizes once he's gone, she doesn't have the chance to say them. You know, like Mm -hmm. she was paying Joel back for the way he fucked up and didn't actually expect he would be gone. And now he is. And all of that is left dangling. And she doesn't have a chance to reconcile with him that She's furious at him, justly so, but also still views him as family and loves him. And that is a terrible burden to bear. And I could understand that would take me a long way to driving me a little bit crazy about like moving on past this. The guilt of like that man who died before your eyes died thinking you hated him. Yeah. 
But this flashback tells us that he didn't. He knew. He knew mm-hmm. that, like, and to me, this is the thing. When you tell someone, like, we have this profound disagreement, but I care about you enough to try and, like, get to a good place. And they both say that. Yeah. Yeah. The important part of that is what you've admitted is that you both value this and you care about it. And it might not right. ever get to a good place, but the but that'll be because some of these differences can't be bridged. But that doesn't change this core underlying reality of we still we do care about each other. We love each other. It's like a, it's closure. It's, yeah. it's like a form of closure <clears throat> that up until this point, I assumed Ellie did not have. Yes. And it was the only thing remaining that made me sympathetic to her was that I was like, well, she'll never have closure for these things. And I mean, this is part of why I was like, oh, she needs to be expressing that in some way, like yell it at somebody at some point. But but it turns out she can't yell it because she actually does have a form of closure with Joel that is it's like a it's like fantasy level closure. Yeah. Like I've never had a conversation with my dad go this well. Like it, it it like he he runs down the line on all the shit. He's like you're gay and I love you kid. She seems great and I bet she's going to really value you. I bless your relationship. I hope it lasts forever. I think you're so great. Like it's like it's like fantasy parent conversation. And the night before he died. Dude, like this the is night the before he died, this is the thing like, that you like <laughs> curse God for not giving you, yes. right? Like the And this is this is like if this were a dream she had, like if this were like, you know, I don't know. It feels very like Albus Dumbledore on the train platform to me. Like it's so freaking tidy. Like it's like this doesn't you don't get uh, this in real life. Like you don't get these conversations with your parent. And that's what haunts you. And that's what I thought this game was about. But then it ends by being like, <coughs> actually, Joel and Ellie really love each other. And that's why she went on the killing spree. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> like, I don't. But Connor, I mean, I tell think, us why you liked it. <laughs> I mean, liked. I, I just don't feel it was at odds as much. That <coughs> I, I, like my reading of it was definitely like that. Yeah, that is a a type of closure. But it it the whole like the thing that keeps saying and like the thing that Abby puts forth in like the thesis of that moment is that you you lived and you wasted it. Is yeah. the thought that Joel doesn't get to live out being forgiven, right? Like. The, the fact that she doesn't get to rebuild that relationship, like they were starting to, right? Like, but that was literally the night before when she said, uh, I, I want to try to forgive you. And right. I think that the, that's the sort of thing where like, that's a, there's a second step there of actually rebuilding that relationship that is what drives her to feel so angry about him dying then, is that they were starting <clears throat> to get back in, in good graces and they, could ne- they will never be able to do that now. Even if they like admitted that first step of like we'd still care about each other and we want to rebuild the relationship, it, it like it yeah it mirrored that thing that Abby said of like that the kind of the the pin on it is like you know don't take for granted the time you have essentially um, and like it the reason I dislike it is different is because it kind of undercuts. Ellie's correct, like totally justified anger at Joel for the year. She knows about the about the hospital for a year before this conversation happens. Before yeah. they start to repair their relationship, and yeah. 
the game then at that last moment seems to undercut that year as like wasted time. Like imagine if you had forgiven him earlier, you would have been, you could have been happier with Joel. Um, So like an extra year. Yeah. Right. Like, and like, and then do you think the suggestion there is that Ellie's somehow in the wrong for not having forgiven him sooner or, or just that we're meant to assume that Ellie feels that way? Yeah. I think it's more like you, you're meant to assume that Ellie feels that way. Right. Yeah. Um, which is why she, why she, that was the real motivation there was that she felt guilty for not mending things with Joel sooner and having that time with him. Right. Right. Um, the issue being that there isn't enough to make that reading solid, I think. Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like most of it's there, but like, again, the like, the, the like conversations that do happen aren't they're not reviewing enough of like Ellie's of that time, right? There's a time gap there of like what did happen, like how much, how ostracized did they become in that year where she finally like, cause she says like, I'm, I'll go back to Jackson, but like, I'm done with you. But right. in that year somehow comes back around to him. Like, was that just like a straw was broken in the, like where she like in that dance, in that moment, she saw him protecting him and was like, Oh, I remember this. I remember how he like came to be and how he protected right. me and like how is he protected that, like, me a, violently and like the right. discomfort that I feel over that. And, and that's, that's why that's it's like, all coming rushing to the forefront for me in this moment. Yeah. Right. I, um, I don't know. It's, it's messy. It's messy. I don't think it's clean or good either way. It's just like, I feel like it didn't, I, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from of this. Like it is a sense of closure, but I still feel like there is, there is more, there's a, yeah, there's a different, closure that is being missed out on that she feels guilty about that's right. true I, but i think at that point you're you're maybe asking for like that's a lot of fucking closure like yeah the thing right. is like right. Right. The, the, like the abbreviated life of joel here at the end uh that still goes really far um and like what she doesn't get to do is go fully back to the days when they're going to the natural history museum those days right. don't get to come back neither does no. childhood you like things are never going to be as simple um yeah. My favorite reading of how this game ends and what I think the message is supposed to be uh, was actually from Sam Greer over at Lad Bible. Um, shout out to Mike Diver. Uh, I think this is a great piece <clears throat> uh, about how interpretable Ellie was to Sam. And uh, let me just give you uh, an abridged version of the ending of this piece. Um at the end of the game, Ellie returns to the farmhouse that was once her home with Dina and their child. She doesn't cry or shed a tear. And how could she when that empty house is how she's always felt anyway? Stuck in lockdown for three months, I've found a strange similar calm. Unable to heal, Ellie is unable to let love into her life. Part two's final flashback, a last reminiscence with Joel, shows us that what Abby took from Ellie was a chance, to for, a chance for forgiveness and healing. That's the true loss she's been avenging. A final attempt to play her guitar, unable to hold the strings with two fingers missing, is maybe obvious but affecting imagery nonetheless. You do feel like you've lost a part of yourself. 
it's not a happy ending and the hope for Ellie's future for for the hope for Ellie's future for healing is small but by making it difficult by not making it assured the last of us part 2 sticks closer to the slow reality of what healing from trauma is actually like that won't be everyone's experience but as a lesbian who grew up in violence this game has helped me feel empowered and seen the ending says to me that healing isn't really something you ever achieve it's something you keep trying every day a bit at a time I really like the piece. I really like that reading. And I think that is, I, my feeling is that's the reading that Naughty Dog would like everyone to get from this. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sad I didn't get that feeling from the game. That would have yeah. been nice. Yeah. And I also <laughs> I wish like, I felt that way. And a lot of Naughty Dog people have been out on a press tour explaining how this game is more optimistic than it appears, which I think maybe says a little something about how, actually, I honestly, how it actually plays. Yeah, yeah, I honestly, I honestly feel the only reason I ha- I was like in the mind in, in the headspace to find that like a semblance of that reading is the fact that I like threw away most of the mechanics that the game gives you and like did most yeah. of this uh, by in stealth, a different by way. Non, yeah. Non, yeah, yeah, like and like it. I the only the smallest thing is that there is that one tutorial where it's like sometimes you can just run, sometimes running is the better option, but mm-hmm. everything else. I, I think about this game actually a lot. In, I, I refer to Undertale a lot because it is a favorite of mine. And the 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 kind of way that you you have this option, right? Like the option between killing and doing a pacifist route. Um, in this game, you also kind of have that option for the most part. And the issue being that nothing else changes. It doesn't react to you when you do that. Um, it maybe allows a, a psychic space to arrive where like I was a little more willing to believe certain moments of 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 Ellie pulling back and uh being able to read that ending that way. But it's not enough because the game doesn't it's not pushing you towards this as a as a viable outcome, right? Like there's nothing to say, like no one like I'm the weirdo for having done this. Uh it's not that the game was trying to say like Maybe if you go through with stealth, you know, you'll feel differently about it. Like, that's not yeah. in the game. It's just because <laughs> I like to try to fucking break shit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish, I just wish that there was something like or that. Or that it was that easier was, to do that. Like, that, that the game sure. kind of rewarded that more and that you didn't right. feel like that was the wrong way to play. Like, it would be cool if that was yeah. like a really I mean, viable felt, way to play the game. It felt, it felt good to do but like I like the stealth and I feel like some people don't like are like waiting <clears throat> for the moment to like get the stealth out of the way. Um, and, but like, yeah, like it, the game is never saying that it is a worthwhile thing to do apart from like you end up not running out of stuff sometimes. And I was also yeah. playing the game on, on a hard already to like kind of take down the, the amount of like uh, consumables available, but right. it's just like, I wish the game had, made that option clearer and had reflected it more often in its narrative than, than it, than it never, it never did really. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, that's one issue, but we've mentioned the length so many times that I I feel like it's worth hitting again now that we're in the final hours of this very important long podcast. It's, it's more, that's really my issue is pacing and length. And mm-hmm. it's why, even though there are small moments in this game that I think are incredible and stellar and worth highlighting, and we've highlighted them today, it 
it doesn't all hold together to me into something cohesive or something that's saying something meaningful. I just, it's so it's long and it, it, if it showed more restraint, it would be such a stronger game. Like there's a version of this that is just edited and it's, it's still doing a lot of the same shit and it's still maybe, maybe it's not even any deeper. Like maybe it's still just as shallow of a morality play as it is currently. And it is definitely a morality play, but, but that's okay. If it's, if it's 15 hours and it's really tight and everything that's there is stuff that absolutely needs to be there. I feel way differently about it than I feel about it being 27 hours because by the time you get to the end of the 27 hours and you're looking back on everything you did and you're thinking about how repetitive it was Mm. and how many times you were told the same lesson over and over again, like that is, that's what's shitty to me. Like, I, I just, I don't know why they did that. Like I can, I can like pinpoint individual things about the game and I've certainly done that, uh, that I don't like, but I'm, I'm willing to forgive those things if you just don't make me repeat them over and over and over again until I am tired of them and like fully emotionally removed from the experience and merely observing it as an, as artifice, which is what you don't want me to do. You do not want me to be seeing the artifice. You want me to be in it and experiencing it. And I just, by the end of this game, really the whole last 10 hours, I was just, I was outside of it and that sucked. That was too bad. I didn't want to feel that way about this game. Yeah. I think, I think that is it for me too. Like, this game had so many opportunities to end. It had so mm-hmm. many opportunities. Like, <laughs> it could yeah. have ended at the farm, and it would have been uncomfortable. Like, it is almost you- Lord of the Rings level. Yeah, <laughs> my yeah. boss Chris Plant was like, "This game is pulling a loader," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah dude, I'm real sorry about it. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's gonna keep ending." People kept being know. like. Oh, this game seems great. I was like, keep playing, keep playing. Just, yeah, you like that, that first like, eight hours, though. Yeah, cool shit. Yeah. yeah, but like by the end, it is, and that's the other thing. It has a really simple message that it keeps trying to drive home through mm-hmm. artifice, through escalating unpleasantness via yes. the impeccable craft of a Naughty Dog game. It's mm-hmm. like, look how unpleasant we can make this, and I'm like, I believe <laughs> you have no ceiling for how unpleasant yeah. you can make this. Yeah, Sold. you could have made it, it even more unpleasant. Yeah. I know. But, I'm aware. <laughs> but this just isn't like we're not the story is no longer going anywhere. It hasn't it doesn't really go anywhere from the moment Abby shows up at the theater in Seattle to an extent. Mm-hmm. Like nothing very interesting happens from a character development standpoint except a loop. Yes. And it is a loop that is less satisfying because it is a time skip. It is like, Mm. boy, it feels like maybe something should have changed along here. If only the conversations we're having about this. Right. Um, And I mean, you have to play the same game twice, like except you play a worse version of the game the first time around. And then you play like a better, but more violent version of it the second time, which uh, it definitely feels like, at some point, this game was intertwined the way the beginning and the end were the whole time, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I'm like, sure they changed the order of the game. So, and like yeah. that, that I felt like that was another form of artifice that I could really see and mm-hmm. felt the intense weight of. Just imagining that cork board of scenes and knowing right. how many times they changed the order of them and just thinking to myself, 
what if you took some scenes off the board? Like, (laughs) what if you got rid of some of these? Because the game's long, folks, and you don't need every single one of these scenes as beautiful and intricately animated as all of them are. It's just... Maybe making those decisions earlier, you don't have to make all those scenes, just throwing that out there. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't, not everything has to be, not everything that's in the script has to be shot. Not everything in the script has to be uh, built. Um, But yeah, I I do think that structure standpoint, it did feel a bit to me like there was sort of this retroactive attempt to create a sense of suspense around these character motivations. I talked about this earlier, but like, yeah, why is Ellie doing all of this? Yes. And the answer is never more complicated than you think at the beginning of the game. Like basically, you know why Ellie's doing this from Mm -hmm. about halfway down the block when Jesse's taking you to meet Maria. Like you basically know like, Oh, Joel (laughs) dies today. And I basically know what the score is. Like, yeah, you know, what's, what's going on. Um, but then the game keeps trying to like, you know, breadcrumb out the motivation for this character. And it's not, it's, it's not revelatory. There's nothing, there's nothing there you didn't already know. And in fact, it raises more questions. And so it it just does become so frustrating. I think this is why uh, Patrick mentioned this. And I think you mentioned as well, Maddie, the sense that a lot of people who like, like to get something out of this game to an extent, you have to do a lot of the work of mm-hmm. projecting experiences onto the characters. And I think oh, yeah. the Definitely. thing that, like, I think Sam's that's, reading is that's great. That's fine. Yeah. Like, I feel like so much of my frustrations with the game, like, I will admit this, like, a lot of it is me and, like, my life experiences, my relationship with my parents, like, the girlfriends I've had being able to relate more to Dina than to Ellie in in that breakup moment. And like, just that emotional disconnect is personal to me. And so it made it harder for me to relate to the game. And so I've had to kind of be like, okay, like some of this is my shit. And like, I'm just not going to like a daddy daughter story that much. And I'm just not going to like the way that Dina and Ellie's relationship plays out. And I'm always going to look at that fan art and be like, that feels kind of fucked up to me. Like, that's just gonna be my personal feelings. But I try to separate those out when I analyze the game because I'm trying to be fair. But I also think that even just from a media studies standpoint, like just a structure standpoint, this game falls down in so many ways for me. And so uh, I was just gonna say, and the issue of length is like doubly or triply even worse given the reporting that's come out about crunch crunch. at naughty dog it's like it wasn't even worth it not that it could ever be worth it i don't think it It never could be but also it wasn't yeah but it definitely wasn't in a way that even they could justify to themselves i think i mean who knows what they're thinking they're thinking but um like the fact that people were wondering if it was worth it yeah yeah (laughs) i would be yeah um, I don't know. But also, I also think it's very for funny. some people, it probably feels like, ah, yeah. vindication. I think it yes. might depend on where you stand in the studio, what your incentives were, too. Like, totally. Right. Totally. Right. And, and crunch never, never is never applied flatly to everyone in, the, in a company either, which is That's right. the, like this, which is why you get people defending the company, right? Like, which is why you get people that are like, oh, I, I was fine. Uh, what are you complaining about? It's like, right. Different departments are going to have different uh, pressures put on them by their uh, higher ups. And, mm-hmm. um, 
which is also why I don't necessarily even begrudge the people who like have that take as far as like I had a fine time is like, but look at, look at, look at your coworkers and see why they're complaining. Like there's, they're not probably complaining for nothing anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like just, uh, I, yeah, that was the, that was the whole point. Just yeah. like the, the <laughs> we, we, I wanted to make sure we hit, we said no, out loud I mean, that we know is, that there was it is the horrible crunch at Naughty Dog on Last of Us yeah. 2. And then yeah. the game was too long. <laughs> like, the game was too long. It, yeah. I don't think it was worth it, clearly. And I yeah. that is also shitty to think about for me as a critic, to be like, like I, I felt really sad playing the game for that other reason. Just being like, wow, people worked really hard, but in service of yeah. what? In yeah. service of a story that says what exactly? And I, I didn't have a good answer to that. And that was very depressing to me to see, to be playing this game that I think adds up to not much. In terms of what honestly it's just like the best case for editing you get yes. rid of crunch and fucking <laughs> your game will be better hope yeah. like a tighter game right yeah. a tighter game and less less working hours like people survive and don't burn out like yeah. <laughs> i know it's frustrating cuz there are things that in the end also like there are i can see the the, the great game that are that's like scattered partially throughout here that mm-hmm. gets bogged down with so much extra bullshit and like uh also with some kind of messed up like background ideology that they don't dig into yeah right? I like mean it's that, both things like i feel like the, i feel like even the shorter version of the game doesn't doesn't get nail rid that of those stuff. things that's, right. that's part right. of there's it. something that's 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 into the foundation of this thing yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah this is still neil Druckmann's game about universal right. hate like it is still that game so i would still not have connected that's a to weird the eight to 15 hour version of the last of us part two and that is just a sad thing for me to have to recognize and be like wow i guess this game really wasn't for me but also yeah. like it's clearly for a lot of other people yeah. um just gonna say so, real hey. quickly that was that's a really weird uh, sequel to Universal Paperclips. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, I think for have me we like done it, folks. Have we done the <laughs> show? I think we. <laughs> Sorry, think Rob. We, did there, you have a final sorry, point? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, like point. Uh, just I think it would have been nice if some of the readings that people were getting out of this. Um, I think if the game had done a bit of lifting to make that stuff accessible to me, that it didn't depend on like what lens you bring to it. But like, this is why it helps to have characters discuss motivation or express some motivation or demonstrate this in in some interesting way. The fact that the game doesn't leaves it open to this interpretation and you can Mm -hmm. like Ellie becomes a thing you can project a lot of motivations and experiences into, but also, she can be just as mysterious and like baffling or even just come across as like kind of a dumbass if you're bringing different experiences. And yep. I think this is kind of why it fails as tragedy is like, what is Ellie's driving motivation or character flaw? Like what explains mm-hmm. all of this? I hear like I see a lot of viable candidates for what explain it, but Nothing in the game really supports any of those readings clearly and nothing really contradicts my suspicion that like her motivations seem extremely flimsy and don't hold up to any kind of scrutiny. And the fact that the game can like fall that flat is also part of this game. Like it can support 
it it won't contradict any reading that somebody imparts to it, but also it won't actively announce anything to you. Right, because like, it is saying nothing. <laughs> right, and so I think it, it like that's why it's so easy to hit, come to the end of this game and feel like, well, this was kind of a pointless endeavor. Like this yeah. was a story that didn't need to exist uh, because ultimately only one character who we spend a fraction of the game with a large fraction, but still a fraction, only one character really like has an arc that makes sense and like has motivations that are interpretable. The other mm-hmm. character, uh, Ellie is sort of torn up from what we thought about from what we thought we knew of her in the first game. But we and didn't know her really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then by the end, I'm like, Do maybe we, there was nothing to know. Yeah. 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 There's just, there's, there's nothing there. There's, there's it no It turns one. out she's Joel. Yeah. Yeah. She's mini Joel. It, it turns <laughs> out she is Joel. And people were so sad that they couldn't play a game as Joel. And the great news is that you just did. And you're Joel. It's Joel's all the way down. She His is dad's the all the way down. Joel is, is alive in us all. It's the Lion King. Joel's face is in the sky. He is you, Simba. It is that is that is how this game ends, and that is the note it wants to hit. And that I I didn't want to play a game as Joel. TBH didn't wasn't interested in it. Didn't want to do wanted to play a game with somebody else. What if fact. Joel but worse? But, but I got to play uh Cool teen lesbian Joel, <laughs> and she. Uh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the Last of Us, and I think that is. Um, I am glad. Like, I can the put this discussion down. Like, part two. I, I am. Yeah, the cast of us. Uh, yeah, no. It's it's a game I've thought a lot about because it is a game oh, yeah. where like I've spent weeks where I'm like. I've been rewriting it. I, I said it earlier. I've yeah. been, I keep rewriting the game. So there, there's something to be said for that. That's how I felt about Rise of Skywalker, which I also strongly disliked. I just, I, I did think about it for weeks and I rewrote it a lot of times. Yeah. So, so but does with, that mean it's good? With Rise of Skywalker, people were like, uh, a lot of people felt like, oh, this is kind of shitty, right? I think this yeah. one, I'm like, okay, what are, what are people saying? Like, what did I, what, what am yeah, I getting yeah, wrong Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, I'm just what I'm did I fuck trying up? to get it. Yeah. And unfortunately, the answer is just that my personal experiences, apparently, like, I, the things I can take to the game are wrong. But also, I would argue... I'm right, and everything I've said today is right. Oh, I will. And I will stand by. I'm I will right. defend. I will travel to Seattle <laughs> and like clear that place the fuck out to defend that take. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But, Thank you for your support, Rob. Yeah, I will reveal to you late stage that actually I've had closure all along. But but don't worry about it. That's that's three day three whole days from now. So we got a long way to go. Awesome. All right. Uh, well, that will do it uh, for this <laughs> double podcast. Uh, our thanks to Maddie for stopping by. And uh, yeah, just a quick stop. Stop. Yeah, just in. Like, yeah, just happened to be just in the a, neighborhood. Just a casual uh, drink. Six hours. Just what the six fuck? quick hours. Uh, just, with they the just game. breezed by, didn't they? I listen. Have to edit this now. Fuck. Uh, listen. <laughs> Mistakes were made. Many of them were mine. Um, I am Blame the, cr- the game for being too long, folks. We I, had to talk about it all, okay? I did not. We, I wanted, did not we wanted this to be unimpeachable, so well. we had to make sure to hit all the points. Yep. Damn straight. Gotta hit all of them. It's, you, you're, like, you're like Michael Corleone, just like 
closing all the accounts uh, in in one orgy of podcasting. Um, our thanks to Two Mellow for the track "Slide Asleep" off the album "After Midnight." You can find that at twomellowmakes.bandcamp.com. That's for waypoints. We used it for Spoilercast too, right? No. We should. I usually use. Okay, I'll I'll do it this time. Yeah, because I'm not re-recording. Mel's music that. is great. Yeah, it's that's a great track. I love it. You can keep up with it's all of us at waypoint.vice.com. You can keep up with Maddie at polygon.com. But also, that's where are you right. on Twitter? I'm at Midi Myers on Twitter. It's like Maddie Myers, but M I D I Myers. That's my Twitter handle. Kato, where can people find you? At a underscore Kato underscore appears on Twitter. And I'm Rob Zachney. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Uh, that'll do it for this spoiler cast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice if it allows such a thing. Uh, I think we're a five-star podcast, but I'm less certain of it after six hours than I was at the start. I think that means it's six stars. It's like yeah, star by the hour, right? star podcast. It's, six uh, star, star podcast, six star runtime. Yeah, that, that is very true. Uh, we'll be back again with Waypoint Radio on. We're is this two is this two parts now, Kato? It is absolutely two parts. This right. part that we are finishing here. This is Monday's podcast. Tuesday, tomorrow, you're just gonna get a shit ton of Waypoint podcasts this week. Tomorrow we will be doing Ghost of Tsushima and Ubisoft. We know that ahead of time, so we can yes. tell you. Get excited for that. Not The Last of Us. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Finally, yeah. The Last of Us in the rear view. Uh, uh, all right. But until then, do not give in to astonishment and know when to end your stories. Or end your podcasts, podcasts. as the case may be. <laughs> I can't. I'm not allowed to. You know what? I got to shut the fuck up about, like, your game's too long. I recorded a six-hour podcast. My podcast is the fifth of, like, that fucking game. This I fucked up. This is when we're all jumping on the bed with the hobbits together. That's what we're doing right now. Rob, end the fucking show. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> I think that that's where end? we go on. Yeah, that's the end. That's the end. 100%. I put the marker down. It's official. I'm stopping oh. my record. Yeah. Oh. Okay, now for the scouring of the Shire portion of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right, time to, time to take Maddie to the Grey Havens. Because uh, she, she and I did battle at Helm's Deep against this game, and now we're allowed to go to the Grey Havens. Yeah. Right. Now, I now you can, oh, now you can finally rest. such a long time. Yeah, and now, now, I, now I sleep. And now I get on that cool boat. <laughs> Just like in The Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. 
Oh boy. The splash well, screen after you beat the game. Yeah. Where it's like, ah, the but sun it's like is the rising nice on the boat. compound. But it's the like, nice... what's that mean? Like, did she stop the boat like five feet away? And like, which compound is that? Is that the, I don't know. I thought it was like that's some other. Santa Barbara like hellscape, isn't it? Or or is that I the think, firefly? I think it's a firefly. No, I think it's a firefly. Yeah, that's how I read it. Has it. The same sort of turret, it's a like, promising from... future you don't get to see. Why are we still talking? What is just... <laughs> What the fuck is wrong? Uh, good goodbye. Stop. <laughs> good, goodbye. Think, goodbye. Okay, you're thinking thinking part three. Uh-huh. Part three. Yeah. No. Later, Patrick. See ya. Thanks for joining us, Maddie. Even though I can't be around for the second half, I have like a hard out at three p.m., which I truly didn't think we were not going to. Don't even worry about it. I (laughs) okay. I am convinced. Uh huh. Yeah. This Acado famous last words. I just want you to mark what Rob just said. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna log (laughs) off with no other comment. (laughs) Okay. Here's my comment. Like I had a run of show, and then Patrick kept Uh jumping ahead. I will just say Damn. that. Or it's like, Damn. Well, we'll get wow. It was Patrick. He can't, he's we'll not even here to defend nice himself. In sequence. <laughs> I know, but it was his fault. Like, fuck that guy. Can we all just wow. say it? Like, wow. <laughs> just the Joel of podcast timing. <laughs> Patrick deserved to leave the show because he was a little bitch. Just saying. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, I don't know what the dog has right now either. Oh, it's just her other bully stack? Great. All right, bear back. I've been doing a pretty good job entertaining my cat. Nice. In the background. I don't know where my cat Dangling is. Dangling a pole toy for him. <laughs> I feel like this show is teaching me that all of y'all have better internet than I do. <laughs> I feel like it's their internet, actually. You seem pretty clean be. on my end. It's Emmanuel that's, that's and Patrick that are like okay, real yeah, bad. I couldn't, I couldn't tell if it was me or not. <laughs> this it's very wild to hear y'all talk about this because I feel like I played a completely different game. You are you going to jump in? I want to. I'll ask Rob how he feels about I'm not do it because yeah. one in one out. I yeah. uh, I mean I can, I can get into it when I if I jump in. <laughs> you have to but, ask. You have to ask Rob for permission. I took the game. The dad I'm sure of the show, it. the patriarch of the Last of Us Part Two pod. He's the Joel. There we go. <laughs> he is the Joel. I, I just said Patrick was the Joel because Patrick was killed and removed. Right. But it right. turns out that Rob is actually the Joel. Wait, no. So wait, then Rob's just the Tommy. There you go. Yeah, Rob is Tommy. So inexplicably near the end of the show, Rob is going to change his tune entirely and he's going to tell us he loves the game and we're going to be like, what? It'll be it'll be crazy. It'll be really good. My cat is screaming at my door, let screaming for me to let her in because I've locked her out. Uh, mm. She will not be getting in, however. Because she likes to chew on cables. She fucking destroyed a headphone cable, just like ripped all the way through it. I found it in two halves one morning. I'm so sad. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah, like anyway, all the you way sound through. great. It. Great. Awesome. I think you it was. Unfortunately, stopped chewing through cables. That's good. I feel like that's even Lemon easier oil, for a dog to do. By the way, is your hack for that for cats? What Lemon is? Cotto. Uh, yeah, we've got lemon. Lemon, lemon oil. Lemon oil. Lemon oil. Shit, yes, good to know. I successfully got my cat to stop chewing on a lot of stuff by dousing it in lemon oil, which also smells lovely. Yeah, um, sick. So at my my Christmas tree every year is uh, very lemony. 
because otherwise (laughs) it would not live. It would not live to the 25th. It would not survive. Anyway, I'm going to start my local because sure. Great. I've got my local going. I've got same. Okay. Good. All right. Let's clap this baby. You just, you just tell me when to clap that clap. Oh no, I went to the wrong place. Did you go to time dot isn't? No, I went to twitter.com <laughs> slash timeline, which is the wrong. It is like, not why? it. That's why not that close to it. What is that? All right. Uh, let's go on 10. This is Una. Wow, Kato's not ready at all. Wait, I got it. Ready. I got There's it. I got it. There's a cat. There's a really good cat. You do not. <laughs> that was 10. That cat is so good. Is it? That cat, cat is so good. Turn it to Oh Look my that god. Cat. Her name is oh Una. Oh my god, that cat. Because she only has one eye. She's- beautiful and oh perfect also this is, this is my so wife christina i don't so think creamy. you've ever actually met <laughs> hello hi christina here to be the cat delivery <laughs> oh no uh una's great yeah i'm i approve of Una. i have a lot of twitter uh, videos of her let's do oh, sorry. yeah let's go on 50 50 Wow. Mine skipped. The lad Mine is skipped. truly stunning. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, oh, I'll turn it. Um, Unless it skipped like five seconds. On my end, and my, on my end, I clapped and I heard y'all clap at the exact same time. Did you hear me like delay? Okay, it's just lag. Yeah, I heard I'll, myself. I'll turn my, comp- my camera off Kata. then. That'll probably help a little bit. All right. Here we go. 